I'm a charismatic front man with great eyebrows and a mysterious sexuality. Radio X. <laughs> Russell Brand. Right, now I'm glad this has come up. <laughs> Radio X. Hello and welcome to Desert Islanders. Hello, you're listening to Joe Rogan's podcast. You know, you're listening to the Russell Brand Radio X podcast. If you like this podcast, or even if you don't, why don't you give it a five-star review and get it boosted up that chart so that you could be behind a glass panel. What a show it was, Matthew, this week. We spoke to Ed Stafford. Yeah, it's like the end of the world out there. Look how dark it is. It's very apocalyptic. Mm. There's a storm a-coming. There's a storm a-coming. brewing. Do you remember that one in 1987? That was the last proper one. I seem to remember liking it. I watched it out my it. window. Yeah, yeah, I like it. It made things go all unusual when I was off school. And sadly, Gordon Kay, a.k.a. Yeah, from... Rene from Hello, Hello, yeah. he got injured. But other than that, well, probably there were other terrible things. But I remember <laughs> just thinking, oh. <laughs> I do remember that story. And all that happened was a man from Hello, Hello got a bit. <laughs> no, I didn't. I, I like anything. Basically, when I was a kid, anything that anything, gets you off school. I still like it now. Brilliant. I know this is terrible to say, but even when there's a terrible. No, that's wrong. But like when you, you just want to be off school. Bad happens. Like you think I can exciting. be off school. No, I'm not talking about school. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you just like, like you like the excitement of chaos. Yeah, I'd like that. A no, bit, but, but even but as a parent, I think, oh no, this is bad. The world's gone a bit loopy. But on mm. some level, it's exciting when things go mad, disturbing think, the norm. I think yeah. this is because, as Osho says, society is just a clearing in the forest. I think we know that patterns, patterns such as the pattern yeah. of a human anatomy or the pattern of a society, is housed ultimately within chaos. You know, like yeah. the chaos of expansion, the chaos of quantum physics. I mean, I know there's rules and regulations, but increasingly we discover these rules are mutable and unusual. So when chaos sort of asserts itself, something in you go <laughs> like a little Do you sort of. At school, when the teacher wouldn't turn up, and then yeah. no supply teacher came. And it was just like 45 minutes of absolute yeah. madness. <laughs> and some kid goes, well, I'm going to go and tell the oh, yeah. No, no, kid. sit back down. You would leave, this is our chance for Remember freedom. Remember people like getting a can of Coke and like smashing it against the... Like, yeah, like, the fizzing so, of a can yeah, of like, Coke yeah, propelling itself about. Yeah. <laughs> there, was, there was classrooms next door to us, like either side, where there was actual lessons going on. And they must have heard. It was like Lord of the Flies. It would just go completely. And then the bell would go and you'd go geography yeah. and back to normal. But... Yeah, that that chaos is always waiting to break out, and that's that's why I think that order is so and regulation is imposed so steadfastly because at any moment a can of coke can be burst, chaos can look rain. at the London riots, like the yeah. the police that seemed so capable were stretched completely. The fire mm. service, you know. Yeah, I mean that was horrible, and I watched it live. I stayed up. I was reading it on Twitter. I was like following the whole thing, and I can't believe this because I was more or less near it, right? Yeah. But it was. Still, a little bit. Sort there was of, a great. Uh, well, there was a study out of Sussex University where they talk about the sort of like what what is happening socially because of course there were, was some legitimacy in its origin because it was a, sort of a, a, a murder in custody. There was sort of weird stuff that went down. So like what I always am affected by is yeah, this is just underneath the surface chaos is what's happening. And isn't it interesting that it spread? Like a contagion, yeah. like it starts now. It's happening in Birmingham. Now it's happening elsewhere because people are all feeling the same feelings. So, I, yeah, I, I know what you mean. It's kind of exciting. But anyway, here is an orderly <laughs> radio show. Like you'll listen to it. You'll hear Ed Stafford. You'll hear your own emails read out. You'll hear me promote my brilliant book, Recovery, and my stand-up show on the thirty-first of October at the Hammersmith Apollo. And then, the first. And the first of November. Well done, Matthew. Thank you for jumping on board. That. And then we'll uh, we'll we'll meet you around the back, and there's going to be a little something special for you. There's something nice. Oh, we'll keep it warm for you. Pop a little bit of wool around it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs>
This, this is, is Radio X. Russell Brand. Good Lord, is that the time? Is there such a thing as time even? Who's to say it exists and from where even? You're listening to Radio X. This is, of course, Russell Brand, a pioneer on the radio waves, a pirate, not literally. We do have a licence. In fact, we're part of an enormous conglomerate and over the next two hours, we are going to be bringing you 18 minutes of music. There will be commercial breaks, not in the podcast version. and We're really pushing that podcast version. We'd like to see that shoot right up the charts. We're going to have some fantastic guests, your contributions, but most importantly of all, we're going to provide sanctuary and we're going to reach right into your belly, the place where you're nervous, the place where you're aroused, and by Jove, we will soothe you. We will provide warmth and comfort. Or in other words, hello. With me in the studio, as always, is Matt Morgan. Looking, hello. Looking well this week. Yeah, what do you mean? You, when I walked in, he went, you look better. Mm, I tell compared you what. Compared to what? Uh, compared to other, not necessarily other people. God, Lord, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. No, I mean to other versions of yourself previously. Like, you know, do you know spiritual people? Well, you do, because you know me. Well, but I am one. Yeah, you know that grandiosity of a spiritual person? Like, they might, as soon as they see you, they might go, Ah, oh, I see you've been through a lot of changes. Yeah. Because I've seen some spiritual people, and they did that to me. Well, they try and, like, make you impressed that they can read yeah, that's like right. a book. That's right. They try to make you impressed that they can you read see, you like it's a It's been a long journey for you. Ah. Hello, fellow traveller. Let us sit at the roadside and contemplate our challenges. But I do actually know you, so it's not like, you know, I'm yeah. judging you on a very minute You look level. well, too. You've got a little jumper on. Do you love my jumper? Yeah, it's good. It's good on it. Thanks, like G. It. Yeah. Thanks, G. G. I mean, I hope it finds its way into the, into the poem. I mean, because I am known as Rusty Rockets on some quarters of the internet, and now I've got a rocket ship upon my chest. It just turned up one day, this jumper. I love it very much. It's got sort of what you would describe as a NASA... Uh, a NASA rocket on it. The knit's quite thick. I feel a bit gripped by it. I've always been fussy about itchiness. Really have. Yeah. Are you fussy about itchiness? Yeah. I hate. I'm itch. wearing a long sleeve top because I'm wearing that thing over there, which is a sort of lumberjack. Shirt. Does look like a lumberjack. Too itchy. I'm doing the same thing. I got like a cardigan, but I've got a long sleeve. What's going on with all the itchiness? I can't deal with itchiness. <laughs> We're sensitive people, and these are sensitive yeah. times. But while you're here for the next couple of hours, that sensitivity is going to be catered for beautifully. Matt, you're going to be thrilled to discover that coming up on the show in a it's an astonishing bit of producing by Neil. Something we discussed last week has been followed up this week. We were talking about the survival expert, Ed Stafford. Uh, why, why is it you're so interested in Ed Stafford? And can you tell our listeners a little bit about him? Matt? I can, right. So he is a survival expert, mm. which you know, there's a few of them, isn't there? There's Bear Grylls, there's Ray Mears. There's more than that, even. I can't remember their names, but well, those are the main ones. Just to quickly interject before you get into your stride. Do you know that when like that rail moat did that uh, murder and Gaza mm. was a bit involved in it, like yeah, going like I've got just some dressing yeah. gowns and Morty. some chicken. Morty, like he's killed someone and that's not ideal. That was my favourite line from his radio interview. Um, well, also the police involved Ray Mears. The police like asked Ray Mears what, to so? go and have a look for him. This moaty. No, didn't they just expert. ask him like what will he be doing? Well, he'll be eating juniper berries. Yeah, it's a bit weird, isn't yeah. it? The police well, were trying to solve uh, the case actually, with no, celebrities. They used him to track him, didn't they? Like they to help to track, track him. him. There's a broken twig here. Paul Hollywood's out there making him a loaf of bread. <laughs> Why are they trying to the, the, the Humberside police trying to solve all their crimes? I didn't realise there was areas of this country that were big enough to need to track someone beyond like police and dogs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like someone can disappear into the wilderness. The Lake District. You could disappear in the Lake District. Ain't you been there? You could disappear into that for days, mate. Yeah, all right. But 
Not for like it's not like he not like Moti could have got lost out there and never mm. found again. No, Moti was always going to be discovered, particularly with uh, Ray Mears on his back. All right, let you now you anyway. Like, you're, oh yeah, go on, tell us about Ed Stafford. Uh, Ed Stafford, right? I, me and my wife are obsessed with watching his programs. The one we started on was Ed's marooned with Ed Stafford, right? And he does ten days in different environments with nothing, no boots, no knife, nothing, right? Mm. So he has to like he he knows loads of stuff about plants you can eat, how to catch animals, how to dig for water sometimes, and Brilliant. stuff like that, but. It's a good journey with him. He like goes on a mental journey. He gets at one point he cries in a cave. Like he's not bare grills, do you know what I mean? He's like but the main thing is he's on his own. So there's no crew there. He's filming everything. So he's got mm. a drone and he's got like I admire that because that's one of the things you always think when you watch these survival programs is you think you're there with like a makeup lady. Yeah. I was going to do Bear Grills' show once. I was going to cross the Panama canals, but I said, "Look, I want to do something yeah. Me and Bear were going to cross the Panama Canals. But I said, I want to do something that more accurately and more obviously recreates the journeys of Che Guevara, Bear. Can I do that? And he goes, there's not room for it in our schedule. We've committed to Panama now. And I goes, no, I can't come then. But I will do something with Bear Grylls or someone like that one day, although it does sound quite hard. Let's do it with Ed Stafford. Me, you, But he has to set us up, then leave us alone, because he's such an expert. Like I said last time, we'll just sit down and say, we're hungry. What were you saying to me before the show, Matt? You, like, Matt started going, check this, he started going, no, listen, when Ed Stafford comes on, Russ, I do know quite a lot about him. You've not actually seen him <laughs> on the show, so it's probably best I lead the interview. Well, I don't want you to just do one of your stupid interviews on, that don't do you really mean? work. What do you mean? Well, you sexualise it too quickly. Right. Go okay, on about me, the fact that he does it naked. Notes. I'm making notes, one sec. Just notes for the right just listeners. Let, just build up to the sexual. Normally, I don't mm. give two hoots about the guest. But today... I want you to do a proper interview. All right, so what other things must I do? Right, just also... A checklist no, these things. are things you should do. Don't sexualise. It's down don't on the page. Sexualize. Yep, got right. it. Anything else? Yeah, it, uh, make sure you make ask him about the spiritual side of things because he sometimes about spiritual side of things. Yes, <laughs> he's things. not writing it down. <laughs> What's he doing? Just squiggling, <laughs> drawing a little picture. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mess this up, all right? I'm just doing a picture of you and Ed Stafford kissing each other in a wood. That's obviously what you want more than anything in the world is to be in a wood kissing Ed Stafford, who will be on the show. And anything he's connected to nature, and he he, he like. So am I. I made a oh, nature, yeah. kidneys. You weaseled nature, out of the Bear Grylls documentary <laughs> by some flimsy excuse. <laughs> How could we do this knowing it wouldn't be allowed? <laughs> Get out of it. Anyway, I was doing a bit book festival yesterday at Cheltenham Book Festival. Not yesterday, one of the days. You're uh, hard. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty tough going at the book festival crowd. I managed to get through it with a minimum, but I only had two runners at one point. It was a, a terrible challenge. Um, and uh, Bear Grylls was on next. Like he Is was there any bad blood about you dropping out of his show? I don't know, because I didn't run into Bear Grylls. Oh, he right. was doing his thing in a church. He loves you the Lord, doesn't he, then. You must have got out there pretty quick. Well, because he's quite odd. I was once on a flight of Bear Grylls, and for some reason I didn't know him then, but I felt some seething resentment about Bear Grylls. <laughs> I can't remember what it was seething for, but I was seething away. I think maybe on some level I sensed he was a former SAS man who was man who was double R'd. Yeah, it might have bothered me on some level. Why does that bother you? Just that makes me want to go and talk to him about stuff. I want to. You talk sit to there him. fuming, as if you're in any way the same bracket as him. <laughs> sit there thinking, oh, everyone on this plane now thinks he's the hardest one. <laughs> <laughs> Typical. Just because he's got a, bl- a bloody balaclava, everyone thinks if it comes to fisticuffs, the bearer have the other hand. Well, while he's sleeping, I'm going to tittle on his on his special plane socks. There, take that, bear. <laughs> um, so we'll be talking to Ed Stafford, and right, I've got my list. Don't sexualise. 
ask about the spiritual side of things and at no point break into any strange he's on voices. his own. It's interesting to be on your own. I know you, you don't like being on your own, I do, do. you? I love no, own. you don't. Oh, on Onio, that's when I thrive. So I, I was at, oh, not the old on own. Oh no, not Fort Kingdom, not Fort. How long can you be on your own now without doing something weird? Ten, twelve minutes. Now, like what? Yeah. Uh, actually, I've got the perfect Shakespeare speech for this, and because you've brought it up, and you know that I'm trying to force high culture. How long is show, it? That's all that people want to know. Ages. It's so long. <laughs> it's so long. It's from Richard the Second. It's uh, Act see, Act Five, Scene Five, uh, Jenny May, uh, Ireland's Own. Would you please find it? Oh, I thought you knew it. You got to be off book, baby. Oh, I'm not off book, mate. I'm well on book, but the delivery. I won't do it now. I'll do it later. Something to look forward to. I might do it in the middle of me Ed Stafford interview. Do it in one of the songs. Now, remember, right, I've got some emails here. Like, so I think I've told you everything. Ed Stafford's coming on. Eighty minutes of songs, and uh, ah, I will be performing stand-up comedy. Thirty-first of October, first <clears> November, <throat> London. I'm coming, I'm coming. Which one are you coming to? Uh, probably not the Halloween one, because A, that's my wedding anniversary, and B, that's children like it, don't they? Their children love Halloween, oh yeah. I'm scared of that. I remember I told you I went once Halloweening around with famous people's kids. In, in America? In America, they go they mad take for it, it serious. Everyone's house proper. was like a theme park. Yeah. yeah. And the it's theme mad. was spooking me out, man. Really? Yeah, I didn't like it. It weren't for me. People eating vodka jellies, wandering around, tensions in marriages. I didn't like it. It's not for me. It's not for me. <laughs> Those are the themes of Halloween. <laughs> yeah, that's right, isn't it? It's Ooh, marital tension. <laughs> what if you're not being your real self in this marriage? Stop. I weren't. But Why some... not? I'm not lone little kid. You, you have something of the night about you anyway. <laughs> I'll just be as my normal self. Caroline says, these are some of your emails. Because remember, we only make this radio show for you in a nominal fee. This one is from Caroline. Hey, Russell, is it okay that I start a, re- a recovery Facebook page that connects people together in Melbourne, Australia, so we can work your recovery book together? Not only is it okay, it's one of my intentions. So get on with that, Caroline. I'll support you in what, any you're way we can. Ship it out to people. People can like set up their own little... Yeah, set up their own communities based on what I'm calling my own little Bible. Recovery. A false prophet. <laughs> How are you spelling that second word? Now listen, what I what uh, no, it's very good the book. It's doing very well. It's number good. number ten in America. You know, in the New York Times bestsellers good, list, it? good, isn't it? We've got to get it up them charts because number one in New- in America, New York Times, Bill O'Reilly. You know, Bill O'Reilly. You got too many trinkets. You got too much stuff. That's what's causing this social tension. Um, him, he's number one with a book called "Killing the English," a book about the American oh, Revolution. Bill. They're wow. celebrating it still, still. Well, they regret it now. How's your revolution now, guys? Yeah, now you've got Trumpkin in charge. If at the heart of addiction continues. Caroline, is lack of connection. I think it would be fantastic to be able to connect with like-minded people working the programme. We'd all have to buy the book or audio book. Oh, right, she's brilliantly recognising the commercial heart that beats at the centre of this. We could also discuss topics on Under the Skin and the Russell Brand Radio Show. It could be a sort of recovery revolution thing. Thoughts? Uh, my thoughts, Caroline, are it's a good idea and anything that makes me seem culturally significant. I reckon I'm almost at the point where I could start a cult now. Oh, God, yeah. I could, couldn't I? Yeah. Well, where would it be? That's why we've got to get that island sorted. We will get that island sorted. Dear Russell, says Adil, why are you always on the precipice of using the word precipice or have I spent too much time watching every video of yours on YouTube? Also, are I, you? I say a lot of words, don't I, Matt? But how, what, so he's saying you start to say precipice and then don't say it. I think I do say it, but I think he's saying I'm always on the precipice of it so of that he himself it. could use the word precipice as part of his sort of thing, or his or she's, because it's Adil. Adil, that's a man. Adil the man. 
Hello, Mr. Brand, says Corey Smith. I'm a married 27-year-old American. I'm a huge fan of you and the way you challenge obvious flaws and lack of intelligence in today's society. My question is, if you were given the opportunity to be objective or moderate in any American debate, what would it be and why? Corey Smith. I would say true democratic change and the breakdown of existing democratic structures, Corey. Uh, I would talk about sort of a, a form of truth, uh, a confederacy of anarcho-syndicalism where uh, the United States of America and indeed all nations were broken down into small assemblies managed by the people that live in them and and municipal issues on a national level only handled by a small committee that they themselves were responsible to a democracy. Either that or I would do, you know, I don't know, something like uh, American Gladiators. What would you, what would you do, Matt? <laughs> well, does it have to be American? Yeah, it's got to be American. What, what would you, you want to conduct mm. a debate in America. What are the topics? Um, Is what? America falling apart? All of the great American oh, institutions? Yeah. NFL, Hollywood. Falling apart, falling apart, gun control, falling apart. I mean, that's, this is what I said about gun control. It's like take, trying to take tea if English people. That's right, guns, it's the identity. Two in the DNA. Yeah, like, and but t- control though. And tea refers yeah. to a tea refers to our um, identity as a colonial power. And well, guns, yeah. for them, re- refers to their creation myth. So yeah. both of these are emblematic. And also the gun is a phallus, isn't it? Like, I, I spoke to an American man about it once, and I really drilled down deep into him, metaphorically, yes. analytically. <laughs> he said as much. He said it's almost a sexual feeling that he gets from his gun. So that's my anecdotal evidence. Hmm. So yeah, that's it, all of those hey, things. But they arm themselves, apparently, to, in case they have to fight the government. I know, but the government are well armed. You're not going to be able to beat a government, are you? They're armed to the teeth. You've got no chance at all of beating a government if the government turns on you. You don't beat governments with guns. You you beat governments with the power of the mind. And that's what we're offering you on Radio X. True tools. We are arming you, guerrilla style. But before that... You beat hmm. Miliband's Labour government. (laughs) (laughs) I've already beaten one government. (laughs) That might have happened. Yeah, but what happened instead, though? Corbyn, so who's really in charge? That was, your, that was his bigger idea. He whispered that to me one day. He goes, I'm going to do all this and now create listen. something called Corbyn. <laughs> keep watching this space, Matt. We'll bring down this Miliband fellow and the Labour Party will lurch to the left. The whole political landscape will shift and one day I'll be elevated to emperor of a new kingdom, a kingdom called Bradverp. Russell Brand. This is Radio X. You're listening to Russell Brand on Radio X. I hope you're enjoying your morning or whenever you're listening to this, if you're listening to it in podcast form. I have to put Classic FM on at night to stop my dog barking. He's gone. He's so difficult. He's highly cultured. Yeah, yeah. Of all the global brands, the only one he'll listen to is Classic. He won't listen to Radio X. He won't listen to LBC. What does he do when it's on? Just sort of... Sit down and chill out. Looks like he's reflecting about some of the bigger themes in Marla. The animals he's eaten that day. Uh, yeah. If you put Wagner on, he gets too pumped. <laughs> <laughs> I should run this house. Salsation, isn't he? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Bernard Livermore. Do you ever wonder, Russ, if the spirit of chaos that once possessed you has now moved on and chosen Bear the Dog as its new host? Like how that time chaos possessed Rick Moranis when he was going to do, in inverted commas, Sigourney Weaver on a flat roof in the film Ghostbusters. Yes, Bernard, good points there, referencing Ghostbusters. Uh, But also, you can look to the Bible for a comparable idea where Christ takes the spirit of a madman and sends it into those pigs, and those pigs go running off the edge of a cliff. Now, I do sometimes, it's one of my best bits of the Bible, I I, uh, do think that my madness got distilled down into bear somehow. I mean, what are pets, really? They're 
totemic animals, like how we would have in the old days worshipped a beaver, if we were the beaver tribe, you were a Cub Scout, Matt, or if you you might have worshipped a stag if you were a Native American person. Which you're you? not. Ah, oh, you pig, you stinking... Have you seen that email? You old rat, yeah. you yeah. sow. Central America means... South America, okay, basically. baby. Okay, Central America is what Nicaragua, Honduras, yeah. Panama. Yeah. Listen, guys, you can bandy around borders all you like. The people of those lands, prior to colonialism and imperialism, would not have recognised national identities imposed on them no, by look, you lot, the settlers, yeah. G and Matt, the, the stinking colonialists. You should like that's yeah. pretty good. The yeah, Mayans, the Mayans, the Aztecs, the Olmecs. Yeah. All them boys. So basically, <laughs> I'm better than everyone else because I'm part of that. Look, we're trying to work out. Because one of them diddled your nan. Doesn't make you better than anyone. <laughs> My nan. That woman was a saint. She was. <laughs> she was the most chaste woman in Dagenham. Where is your nan? Chaste. <laughs> she was one of the most he chaste wasn't. women in Dagenham. <laughs> she was known for her chastity, not chaste as in ed. Chaste with a t, you savage, you brute, you boor. Whereas what about your grand <laughs> running around after an Italian ice cream van <laughs> with her bloomers halfway down? <laughs> hey, I wouldn't mind another cornet. Oh, oh, <laughs> Don't offend my people. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, sorry. Look, do you think the spirit of chaos that once lived in me has gone into bear? Yes, it probably bloody how did it, how did it get into bear? We, yeah, how did it get into bear? What do you do with that dog? I tell you now. I tell you Turn now. my mic down. <laughs> no, I'm just trying to manage this debate so that I can create good quality radio at a price that's right. Um... Uh, I don't know quite how it gets to bear. <laughs> Do you think that bear is just a version of you in animal form? Another question from Simon Lovell. I have a bear too. And then he says, and you'll have to beep this, Neil, he is a... <laughs> 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 and uh, there's no question about it. Bear is a... Yeah, he's a difficult animal to manage. He's causing me a lot of hardship. I'm afraid I'm going to have to get one of those collars where you press... It's three strikes and you're out. Collars. What do you they, mean? They spray a small citric jet... A small citric jet. Now, this is going to be cause for a lot of debate. You press once, it goes beep. You press twice, it goes beep, beep. You press thrice, citric jet up the snooch. Well, they don't like that. It would just, like, annoys them. No one likes a citric jet up the snout, Matt. No one. Not in... I thought you were talking about the collars, that when they leave a certain area, it gives them electric shock. I mean, that is too cruel. That would be ideal. Because, but you can't, you can't, I can't countenance using electric You shouldn't be given any power oh. over another creature's pain. Because oh. I know you're sitting win? there just going, we'll <laughs> <laughs> go straight to three sometimes. <laughs> uh, excuse me, could I adapt this remote control so it goes straight to three? I'd like to. Uh, anyway, could tighten painfully <laughs> over the course of an hour. <laughs> slowly, slowly constricting over the like when you boil a frog. I, yeah, because it doesn't notice, does it, old froggy? I don't know if that's true, but someone must have done it. Which of course is they have. And what's the point of doing that? Well, I'll probably explain it for people who don't know pain. what we're talking about. All right. Now, if you get a pan of boiling water and drop no, a don't say, Well, don't say like that. Mm. No, it don't. sounds like it's Blue Peter from... <laughs> 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 We're trying to raise money to smash up Percy Frommer's grave. <laughs> that was the thing that actually um, happened. There's a thing, there's terrible. a saying about if you boil a frog, yeah. you, you do it if slowly. You, well, no, what realize. you have to do is if you get a boiling pan of water and then drop a frog in it, the frog will jump straight out. Right. But if you put the frog in a cool, refreshing pan of water, that little frog will just sit there as the temperature escalates and rises, never, no, never noticing because of the incremental Whereas increase. Whereas I think what would happen is you'd think, 
Hang on, it's getting too hot. Jump out. But that's apparently that's the point of the experiment. That is what you would think, but sometimes behaviour defies logic. That's right, Matthew. They just lay there, getting worse and worse. Poor little sods. So uh, the bigger question is: Do I think my mad animus has been distilled into bear? Yes, I do. Do I think that uh, only in the way that if you're mad like you are, right? Mm -hmm. Then and everyone is a bit. And then when you're given a pet to train. You don't train it properly mm. because of the mad animus, yeah. and therefore he becomes like his owner, unregulated, <laughs> dangerous, <laughs> and you can't let it near sheep. <laughs> but also, don't you think that possibly there are sort of pheromonal and auric no. communication? Why not? Yeah, how no. would you know if there's pheromonal and auric communication? Well, they do say that animals can smell fear. Exactly. And, and I stink of the stuff. So they obviously can read human emotions and stuff. So maybe. So there you go. We've answered all of your inquiries. If you want to come and see me on my rebirth tour, I'm at the London Apollo on the 31st of October. Matt won't be there because he'll be doing Halloween stuff. 1st of November, Matt will be uh-huh. there. But also, these are absolutely terrific shows. Join us when I do, I, every night I do Facebook Live. The weird stuff that people admit to, the provocative things that people do in their life, it absolutely astonishes and flabbergasts me. I'm thinking particularly of the people of Cardiff who spend their entire time wallowing in smut from as much as I can work out. And the people of York aren't a lot better. I'm in Leeds this week and London next week. So, yeah, do fill in the surveys. Why do people admit to things like that? Why would you admit to it? Some people give such detailed accounts of their filth that it's, yeah. it's astonishing to listen to and also quite encouraging that people are having such bold and exciting nocturnal I mean, lives. I think that's the spirit of your animus, your mad animus going into the people. Mm, you infect right. people. No, that's the wrong word. You, <laughs> All the spirit of my mad animus. You give people that license, license to be free. License to be free. All right, so that's that. Are you promoting anything, Matthew? <clears throat> like, you um, got no cup of tea? You cleared your throat. That suggests something's going on. What do you mean, promoting anything? Well, I don't know. Ain't you trying to get something for free? Don't you want Oculus, those spectacles? Well, uh, there's actually a lad who said he He's finished with it and doesn't want it. And I said, oh, you can't he, give me that. You started off trying to get pioneering relationships with, with tech Sony. companies. I was up there with Sony. And now it's just a lad. He's going to give you his <laughs> hand-me-down items well, for I said I, don't, I can't take that. And he said, well, I don't want it. He might as well have it. Are you taking it? Yes, I'm meeting him later. Honestly? <laughs> no, I'm not. I, well, I might take it. I, I forgot to tell him to come down. Because I'll tell you what, virtual reality is going to knock your little noggin off, mate. Oh, yeah. Have you been in it? It blew my mind because it just, yeah, you go in there. I was terrified even before anything happened. I was just being lowered in an elevator down into a shark, sort of shark I've seen pit. that shark one, yeah. I was terrified before. The shark hadn't even come. And I, I, I Do you was, feel, does it feel real enough to? Yes, it makes you realise that like, like the visual set. If you look around and it sort of replicates an environment in the same way that you're used to seeing, you look up and you see stuff above you, you look yeah, down, yeah. you see stuff below you, your brain just goes, well, this is reality then. And it makes you think that that's perhaps what's happening yeah, anyway. It sounded like he's giving it away because he went too deep. I think this lad of yours, he's gone too deep. And like, I mean, look, either we immerse ourselves fully in a virtual technological world or we learn from Ed Stafford how to survive with next to nothing. Yeah. And I think we'll, over the course of time, we'll learn both. And remember, we do want a utopian island. I've finally, thanks to me, written a nice Bible for how we can survive spiritually, my book Recovery. And you, Matt, can probably focus on the actual practical stuff that people <laughs> need. Growing veg, digging. You seem unnaturally yeah, interested in digging. 
I love digging. I love building fires. I when love are you like ever that. digging, though? I've never seen you dig. I haven't dug for ages. Well, there you go. So why do you know? I bet the minute you have to put your back into it... You only dig when you bury your dead chickens. And it's hard. And I can see why people were resistant to digging. It's back-breaking work. The, the ground is a tricky little customer. You, the first bit of it, oh, nice and soft. And after a few seconds, it's very hard down there. The ground goes all tough, I tell you. The ground needs to break itself up a bit. So digging's no fun. So if you're going to dig irrigation ditches on our utopian island, which I am on the very periphery of discovering, check this out. This is from Rob. Oh, this is so that we could have a nuclear bunker called a mole hole, your very own garden shed. I've got my own mole hole, mate. Don't worry about that. No, we want a proper... Ah, here you go. This is from Evan Lasagna. Does that sound like a real person to you? Evan Lasagna, the human being. Hello, Russ, Matt and G. I want to share with you a project that could support your utopian island, reganvillages.com. It's a closed-loop system designed for off-grid capable neighbourhoods. Do you remember I told you that time I was making a film with Nicolas Cage, the brilliant Hollywood actor, and he goes... And like we were filming this scene in a bar, and I was playing the part of God, obviously, and Nick Cage just goes to me, like, between takes, do you think... Like, I goes, uh, I go, sometimes I just want to get off the grid, Nick Cage. And he goes, do you think you can do it? Do you think it's possible? (laughs) And I, and I sort of be, I'm with you. He said it so seriously that I thought, oh no, I've not researched this properly because I don't know if you can get off the grid. And but I thought, well, you saying that to him in the break, so I don't know. Just keep. Is that the film you didn't learn up. the script? That's right. Or, <laughs> or read. And like, and what? what? Read. <laughs> I just went there and said the things that I was supposed to say when I was saying them. Now, which is, I think, very spontaneous acting. Um, so Marlon Brando used to do it, and that's why me and Marlon Brando are universally recognised as the two best actors. Um, so, like, um, anyway, so I. That's probably what he meant. You'd probably been so annoying on that film by not being prepared. <laughs> you went, I might just get off the grid, Nick. He's like, do you think you could do it? by lunch <laughs> do you think he could get right off the grid of my life right now <laughs> Nick Cage couldn't be more generous and lovely I adore Nick Cage anyway now we're finding out if we can get off the grid how did you Evan pronounce Lasagna. I can't find this email but how did you pronounce it I think you've said it wrong Regen Villages R-E-G-E-N Villages.com Regen probably yeah, you're probably right. Regen Villages, you're right, Maybe, Matthew. I don't know. It is a closed loop system designed for off grid capable neighbourhoods comprised of power positive homes, or go on, renewable energy, don't mind if I do, water management, you little pig, and waste to resource systems that are based upon ongoing resiliency research. Now, I once went to an ashram in India near Mumbai, run by the Hare Krishnas. Oh, you're hard. I, <laughs> <laughs> I just like, keep saying that. It's good. It's good it's catchphrase. Catchphrase. Keep going, keep going. Like, um, when I got there, right, uh, the first thing was I needed coffee, and the Hare Krishnas, coffee's against their religion. So I go, so you guys are going to have to get me coffee. I had to go down the village and get you, me some coffee. What's wrong with you that? You are such a diva. <laughs> they don't... Coffee's against their religion. Against their it's religion. not against their religion, is it? It is. They don't have to eat your coffee. Well, it's then you stimulant. don't have it when you go there. When in Rome, nah, send I them off it. to the village. Get down that village and get my coffees. And they did, actually. Anyway, all their poo gets recycled back into the papaya. Yours, I hope, because it's... Mine's a ram, and it says, it says, it says, don't put nothing down this toilet except the specific toilet paper that we give you, because otherwise it's going to end up in our irrigation system. The, the most delicious papayas and mangoes grew there, but they said, Do you know what that's fertilised with? Our pup. And I thought, well, what's wrong with that? We've got to well, learn. I feel like that would bother me. Yeah, it wouldn't bother me either. I mean, you don't want to eat it straight from the source. Ed Stafford catches fish in one of his documentaries. Ed using... Stafford? Ed Stafford? This is why... why don't you marry Ed Stafford if you love him so much? Because I've looked I'm into it him. and it's just going to be a 
a nightmare. <laughs> um, he catches fish with his own poo in plastic bottles that he I finds. This is one of the tragic he things uses, about it as well. He uses his own Wherever poo. Wherever he goes in these like places where there's no humanity, yeah. there's plastic bottles, there's junk, there's things, there's you bits and You see him as like Littlest Hobo, don't you? Like Ed Stafford, he's wandering um, the world. This yeah, is what I like about him, right? When he gets anywhere, mm. he goes, these are my needs. Water first, mm. yeah, shelter, and then starts maybe having a fire or food, depending if it's a cold place or a warm place, mm. right? That's it. And once he so gets those things... You did a big swallow there for it. I did. You? Yeah, I did. You swilled down so much saliva. <laughs> you're anticipating him coming on the show. It's getting your glands really going, oh, isn't it, mate? Stop belittling this. I'm not belittling it. I'm bigging it up because right. I see a real future. Listen, you, and then he sits by his fire and he's caught some stuff with his bare hands and he's so happy he because really human needs are so simple. Yeah. And we have them completely on a plate. Looks all like the your time. human needs are very simple. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that, of course, as we. It's, it's known not. For some, no, I admire him as a person who I think is in touch with what we're all meant to be. All right, so we're going to have Ed Stafford on. It's going to be brilliant and we're going to learn. So he did a little bit of fishy dishy, fishy wish with a, a little with pot of poo. Using his own poo. What a genius. But then you cut the fish's Why guts would a fish out want not, poo? Well, it's got stuff in it they like to eat. Dirty devils, aren't they? Because I once had two goldfish, mate, and I'll tell you this, free of charge. Goldfish A, let's call him, because to respect his anonymity, was swimming around with a long string of his own poo hanging out of him, and goldfish B, also known as Reg, so you can work out what that one was called, <laughs> swam up behind goldfish A and ate its poo while it was still streaming out of its back, and then they expect me to feed them, and it's got to be the exact right amount, or give them too much and they'll just die. Well, I say to you, where's the response? Respect. Respect is a two-way street. Respect is a two-way street and not a couple of goldfish connected to each other at the bottom mouth. Brad Gurp. Dear Britain, we know you can't wait to take off again to the people and places you love. To feel the sun on your face and the sand down your shorts. Or just read and read and read. Until you feel happy and glorious once more. Take off to Europe from £39 each way. British Airways. Made by Britain. T's and C's apply. Limited availability. Price based on a return fare departing London Heathrow in September. See ba.com slash late for details. Russell Brand. Radio X. Oh, Mr. Stafford. Oh. Here comes Ed Stafford. I'm still in renegade villages or regenvillages.com. So, look, like, anyway, I had a nice time. They had loads of big cows there at that Ari Krishna place. I cuddled up to them right nice. I love the Ari Krishnas, as you know. So we could have our own regen village. We're looking at it online right now. We could like This is how we're going to people our island. Ed Stafford's going to come there and teach us to build it. We're going to get a regen village. Look at this beautiful greenhouses, Matt. This is utopia for you. Check that out, mate. We could be growing. We'll have our own island off the coast of South America. We'll set up all sorts of infrastructure. Yes, it will be a proper democracy. I'm not doing that thing where I'm not allowed to talk for a year. That doesn't seem fair at all. I'm going to do this thing, right? You know that person sent, sending us or sent us those tents that go up on three trees, yeah, right? Yeah, three tree tents. There's a bloke on Instagram has got some private land in Essex, right? And he said, I can go there and camp there. I'm going to go there on my own. Your little Instagram relationships are ridiculous. A boy's going to give you an op- oh, like some virtual reality and a man's going to let you sleep in his private land in Essex. Yeah. What kind of friendships are like you making? It's like a campsite. I'm making friends with the uh, uh, proper glitterati I am on the internet, mate. I don't care. I've got people who've got an old shack in Essex. So I can go <laughs> now, listen, I'm going to do it on my own and then I'll film myself on my phone and go, oh, it's a bit You cold. won't do it because you won't want to go because I know you what I you're actually do it. like. You I'll don't do, like You don't like follow that. through with things. 
I'll follow through. You never follow through. Oh, I follow through. Yeah. I'd like to see you follow through. You will see me follow through because I'm following through right now with one of the best guests we've ever had on this show. It's Matt's new man crush. It's a man who can survive with literally nothing. He's a former British Army officer. He's taking the, the Discovery Channel by a storm by walking the Amazon. He's in a bloody book of records made by Guinness. He's on the line now, ladies and gentlemen of Britain and, in fact, the world. It's Ed Stafford. Are you there? Are you there, mate? <laughs> I am, so how are you? Oh, we're so happy to have you on, Ed. We're like uh, I am as yet an ingenue when it comes to your work, but Matt Morgan, who I do this show with, absolutely yeah. adores you. Matt, Did he? To... oh yeah, yeah. I've watched <laughs> Marooned. I haven't watched the thing where you're on an island for sixty days. That was the that was the hardest one. That sounds really hard. But I've watched the yeah all the Maroons, and I just started watching that um, the uh, the one where you travel to things like that Blue Lake. Oh yeah, oh, me unknown. and my wife love it. Don't no, drop do. your That's wife in. Thank you. Well, I'm trying to make myself seem straight. Doesn't sound like that. Sounds like you're making too much effort. So, Ed Stafford, what, like, when yeah. you're right out there on those frontiers, can you just tell me what is the biggest thing that impacts you? Is it a spiritual component, Matt? Yeah. Or is it the physical component of being out there? Is it like, you know, what's affecting you most? Is it your state of mind or your state of body? Yeah. And where are these boundaries, really? I, I think it's always been, um, for me, it's always been the mental side of it. I think... Um, I mean, I, I went off and did a DARF expedition that you mentioned earlier, like, to walk the length of the Amazon. And I was an ex-army sort of typical bloke, and I didn't know anything about um, mental health or anything like that. And literally sort of isolating myself from civilization for that length of time, I started having all these wars going on in my head. And then didn't really resolve it, but I came back, and then <clears throat> Discovery Channel um, asked me if I'd go and do 60 days on a desert island. And that was literally like sort of taking the uh, top off a, a can of worms really and um, for me it's always been the whole journey has been about sort of personal evolution really it's been about I, quite frankly without being dismissive you know anyone can light a fire anyone can build a little shelter anyone can you know forage for food but for me the way the way you handle things the way you sort of approach situations and and the way you control your own sort of inner inner state that's always been the the biggest challenge really yeah that's absolutely fascinating now so what you're saying is when you're in a military environment uh, like it's a, it's very much about i suppose making you a cohesive part of a unit and you're saying that you don't really address the mental component of a man so when you found yourself outside of the camaraderie and uh, support systems that the military provides and the boundaries i suppose you found that your challenges were meant were mostly about your mental state. What sort of, do you mind me asking, what sort of stuff comes up for you? Like childhood well, stuff or what? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're spot, off, spot on with the way you described that. I mean, yes, in the end, it did end up being childhood stuff. I mean, I was, it's not really a sob story at all, but I think um, being isolated for 60 days on the desert island, I came back and it, and, and it didn't occur to me or any of the production crew to sort of put me through any sort of uh, decompression therapy, but... About eight months after I came back, basically, I couldn't even get out of bed. I was just lying there crying and, you know, had re reached absolute rock bottom. And, and the, the, the shrink that I originally went and saw, he said, look, Ed, it's not surprising, you know, if we wanted to turn a man's brain to mush, we'd, we'd put him in isolation for 60 days, albeit in a dark room, not on a tropical island. But um, he's like, it really isn't a surprise. And, and it was just, I think it's, um, for me, it was like, uh, the best way of describing it, it was like a, Isolation was like a mirror. Uh, like in everyday life, we can hide so easily from ourselves, can't we? And, you know, pick up your phone and, you know, go on Instagram like Matt or, uh, yep. you know, pick up a <laughs> buy of chocolate or have a cigarette or have a drink or whatever. And 
on an island on your own, it is almost terrifyingly, there's nowhere to hide, you know? It's amazing. You are, you are with yourself, and I found that. I was almost sick. I literally almost vomited all over the beach when I was dropped off. What an amazing and I thought image. it would take ages to, to get lonely, but it was just the enormity of being with myself, I think. That's amazing. So the environment of your own consciousness, the expanse of your own mind, when you're confronted with it, when you're stripped of distractions, that becomes the most terrifying environment of all, is your own consciousness. That's fascinating what you said as well, mate, that we all live in a world of diversion and distraction, completely detached from our own true inner nature. Um, I, I wonder like, what ordinary people, well, I mean, I suppose everyone's ordinary, what we as ordinary people can gain from that. I mean, what should we be doing? Because it seems like like, like my way of framing this as a person that sort of deals with addiction like is- addiction issues is that you know addiction is a way of managing your feelings whether that's something extreme like chemical dependency or something less extreme like being in relationships that are unhealthy you're avoiding yeah. your true self and like in a situation like you've just described where you're confronted with the actuality of loneliness where you're confronted with the reality of sort of disconnection a great fear rises up do you think there's ways that we how would we how should we negotiate this does this mean that people should spend some time on their own does it mean therapy what does it mean ed i think for me the whole thing has been incredibly positive as much as i described it as a can of worms i think you know i'm not a navel gazer and i don't i don't i sort of don't like people who massively over sort of inwardly you know search all the time for me the island was an amazing sort of it was like the most intensive therapy I could ever really go through because because there was just no way to avoid it. Um, I in everyday life nowadays I I use a it's quite a sort of layman app on my iPhone but I use Headspace which is um, Andy Puddicombe's, um sort of meditation app and I just you know really like each morning getting a bit of space for my thoughts and my feelings and I think it puts me in a really good place in order to. Um, live my life sort of in a non-reactionary way, you know, to have a bit of perspective, to, I really need to work out, and that was why it was such a sort of life-changing thing for me, that thing on the island, because I had to, I was literally screaming and crying and stuff, and I had to work out who I was, you know, who, who is this bloke who calls himself Ed Stafford, you know, what do you stand for, you know, are you reliable, you know, can your friends rely on you, you know, would you look after them, what do you love, all that sort of stuff, and, and I think therefore, it, it was an extraordinarily healthy thing to do, and, um, and, yeah, now, I think honesty is one of the biggest things. I lead, lead my life in an incredibly honest way, and I, I think it's so much more simple as a result. You know, I wake up in the morning and I'm not double-checking, you know, whether I've managed to cover my tracks here, there, and everywhere, because because there is no complication. Life's, life's honest, and I know I'm doing it as, as well as I can. I think that's probably the best way of describing it. That's amazing, that, Ed. What I'm surprised by is the amount of corollary in your, like, that your practical and, and journey that's based on survival has with my own spiritual journey that doesn't have those kind of challenges. And something that I, I would have thought of as very uh, macho, like surviving in environments, oh, I can face the elements, has actually taken to a place of deep spirituality, which suggests to yeah. me that the ideal life is one where we have a connection to both of these things that we live harmoniously with our environment you know so it's not about mastery or subjugation of the environment but understanding it and understanding which aspects of our own nature are going to be required to survive but then recognizing our own inner nature recognizing this is a brilliant bit uh, like i mentioned a lot um from in the book moby dick right where he talks about like that um, an island is surrounded by loads of ocean there's something analogous to the human mind that there's a little part of your mind that you're safe in but if you get taken out of that part of your mind, if you get met with challenges, whether physical or spiritual or mental, 
then you start to learn who you are and you start to learn that you're not who you thought you were. I mean, one of the things you said there, mate, was like, who is this person, Ed Stafford? Like in that book that I've written, Recovery, it is about trying to understand who you really are and recognising that most of us live according to the programme of our childhood and our culture that we've been conditioned to operate within a system. You you said earlier, you know, we stare at our phones, we consume lots of media, uh, simply a lot of the time because we cannot stand being alone. We cannot stand the horizon of our own consciousness yeah I mean weirdly I totally agree with you and I don't know I'd never like to be considered a sort of wham bam thank you ma'am sort of survivalist it's not for me it's not about crossing rivers or climbing mountains or anything like that it's always been it's always been the um, well initially I would have described it as the mental side and I suppose yes I would I would almost call it the spiritual side now I mean I I think the best way of actually describing it is saying it was a bit like Avatar and um, you could actually see things that obviously are invisible to us especially us Westerners when we go through everyday life so yeah, I mean, I'm, way, I'm, I'm, I think what you're saying there, Ed, because in a way, ecological systems are in continual harmony and relationship, and it's only the way that we perceive time and space that makes things seem separate. Like if you watch in fast motion the decay of a, an animal's body, you w- literally can watch the soil and smaller mm. creatures consume it in order that life may continue. Or as our resident poet here, G, sometimes says, life eats life. You know, life itself continues in various forms, chewing through it. It's only our attachment to our own personal form that creates the illusion of separation. Now, Ed, we on this radio show are pretty determined to acquire an island and develop a new utopia within it based on the kind of principles that we've been discussing now. Everyone involved in this project so far, sadly, is an idiot. Can you become involved in it to help us build some meaningful infrastructure and uh, in case there has to be a fight to do some of the fights? Uh, I'd love to, Russell. Yes, how can I help? Brilliant. Firstly, well, we've recorded that you just making a commitment there. <laughs> so that is a legally binding announcement you've just made. So, no, well, firstly, we just want to, you know, we want to work out what kind of principles are going to be necessary for us there. I want to, at this point, hand over to Matt Morgan because he has for a long time been very, very interested in you, him and his wife uh, and my dear friend, Katie, both love you very much. So I want to let him interview you for a bit for his own yeah, personal cool. reasons. Go on, Matt. Hello, Ed. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm good. Um, good. When I'm watching the show, sometimes you like, I just wonder things because I think, um, you know, like when you find an old tin and then you start using it as a cooking pot. Yeah. Is there ever, because I, I think like we're so worried about germs and stuff. And also when you find a plastic bottle and you use it as a to drink out of it, but it's been sat in the sun for ages. I always wonder, do you ever worry about like the toxicity of like the tin, like the rusty tin or the plastic bottle that's been in the sun, which we're not going to drink from? Or um, because your needs are so much more basic at that point, you don't worry about that? I think it depends how much you're prepared to put your neck on the line to make Daft TV, really. I, I, uh, you know, I, I got sick so many times on that 60 days on the island. And it, I think latterly, looking back on it, a lot of it was storing water in bottles that weren't clean. Because, uh, you know, there were loads of plastic bottles washed up yeah. on the beach. And storing water in that and then not being fully clued up that they should definitely be kept in the shade and I should have some sort of... Uh, system of cycling through them so that they weren't left for several days but I, I i vomited more than i defecated on that island most definitely and that i think that was one of the reasons and latterly yeah like cooking pots and stuff aren't so bad because they're going on the fire aren't they and then everything inside it is going to be boiled probably so um i don't think cooking pots is a big one but yeah certainly plastic bottles i, I was on antibiotics for the first series of room which was nine dep- nine episodes i was on antibiotics after every single episode for some sort of 
gut, gut dodgy problem. Or, or did you get yeah. parasites and stuff? I have had stomach parasites. Yeah, I've had um, I've had parasites under my skin as well, um, like little maggots growing under my skin. Um, oh, mate, which is not terribly pleasant. How'd you get them um, out? What, um, well, the the ones that I had from the Amazon were called bot flies, and they've they've got these sort of rearward facing barbs on their body, and you can't squeeze them out if they they can grow up to. Well, they can grow. In dogs, it can grow up to about an inch long, but my one was about a centimetre long. And you have to suffocate them, basically, but you have to kill them before you can squeeze them out. And oh, I had wow. some super glue for mending my false teeth, and so the guy I was walking with basically put a, a little bit of super glue over the breathing hole, and it had a little fit inside my head, and then he uh, squeezed it out. That's oh, amazing. Man. You super yeah. glued his mouth shut, choked it to death in your head, and then squeezed it out like a little mini maggot fart. Yeah, and it sort of popped to like a really satisfying, like quite hard spot. With oh, sort my of hard God, that's amazing. Because we had Dr. Pimple Popper on this show once. She squeezed his pimples on the internet. And we were all, well, some people found it revolting, but I was very much aroused. That, like, is that I in think, one? Yeah. yeah, very satisfying. Is it? And you're a macho person. So, like, um, so was it, I'd like to see that. Is that in one of the shows, seeing that maggot? get squeezed out that's it is uh, yeah it's about nine years old now russell but that was in walking the amazon the documentary yeah yeah Yeah. oh nice one ed stafford ed you've been a really amazing guest i think we should uh do a documentary with you and like travel the world bothering you and me and matt (laughs) quivering like a (laughs) pair of orphans clinging to your legs as you try to walk like a dad leaving a victorian family help us ed i've got a maggot under my skin i just want to ask one more question Ed, is yeah. there anywhere in the UK where, like, because I want to just go on my own. I've got a tent. I'm coming. Oh, well, sounds like he's coming. Um, but is there anywhere in the UK, maybe, you know, like including Scotland, where you can just yeah. go and be alone? It's in the UK. Well, I know it's in the UK, but... Why do you want to be on your own? Where no, can where you go, Ed? Because you can't camp legally on public land apart yeah. from in Scotland. Well, it's, it's out of sight, out of mind is the sort of policy. That's why I say as well, Ed. <laughs> you can you can uh, you can wild camp in in Wales and you can get Wales. remote in oh, even in the Peak District in yeah, in, Peak uh, District. in England. But yeah, it is true. We live in an incredibly sort of de- high density population mm. island, don't we? But um, yeah, I mean Scotland is extraordinarily sparse. If you go north of Matt, uh, are you Glasgow trying to ask Ed to take you camping? No is that where this is leading? <laughs> I would love that. Oh, Ed, will you? We'll make a yeah, special yeah, little film where we go camping for a weekend. Oh, it's going to be so difficult, this. Why am I agreeing to it? But Ed, you've got to teach us some stuff and then leave us. I think we should be a mile apart, Russell. We've got to what, get from it. each other? You've got to be on your own. That's no, the whole point. Not on That's own. what I'm craving. Not with the brain noises. Not the brain noises. <laughs> oh, no. Ed, all right, well, we're going to follow this up because I think it would be wonderful for us to do something with Ed Stafford. Ed, thank you for the spirituality, for the insight, for the brilliance, and uh, we can't wait to continue this relationship. Thank you thank very you, much, Ed. mate. Absolute pleasure, Russell, and you, Matt. Cheers. Cheers, mate. Cheers, Bye. Cheers, mate. Ta-ta. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye, mate. Bye. Well. Well. Well, well, oh, well, well. Well, we've learned a thing or two there, didn't we? Mm, i tell you what, ourselves. how good was he as a guest? What do you mean? You loved it. He was right up your alley. <laughs> yeah, he was, wasn't he? Oh. You were having some of your kitsooks moments. <laughs> what do you mean, Marcus? <laughs> he was saying things that fit with your little world view. <laughs> so you were going, boo, Marty, we got to go back. <laughs> <laughs> what my little duck brown mo? Yeah. Oh god! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Scooby Dooby Doo! <laughs>
That is what happens, isn't it? If I if someone says anything remotely like society needs to be challenged, yeah. I get one of my little brains. He's great stiffies. though, isn't he? He's lovely. We should do stuff. No, you keep saying macho and stuff like that, right? Mm. And that book Tribe. Yep. It's it describes how and you see it on survival shows when they're just punters, right? They're normal like that Bear Grylls Island, right? Yeah. What happens is the men yeah. step up first and they're like, right, we're doing this, they're pulling down trees and try, and that <laughs> apparently is completely normal in that situation. So people under fire, right? The, the alpha males step up first because if there's some sort of fight or something like that, they're actually useful. Mm. But after about two days, they exhaust themselves and they're completely useless. And then a more feminine, like generally women, <laughs> if they're there, or men will take that role, they step forward and they have a more sort of Sexy, empathetic, empathetic empathic sort of leadership, right? And then that is the next wave of leadership, which actually goes, right, let's... Let's not all run around with machetes. Let's mm. like, and it happens on every survival show. The the two f- like things. Basically, I'm the new king of the world because we've had the era of machismo. Now it's time for old Russ. But before this glorious revolution of androgynous, I was not saying yes, you, you are, are the second me, wave. Second say, I'm the second wave. I'm the empathy. new savior. Too late now. Empathy. Empathetic yeah. new Jesus. Empathy Jesus. Empathy Jesus. First though, before I'll this plug new your book in the. Recovery, but like, uh, called him Ed Sheeran. Then (laughs) he's next. But before any of that, let's have an adverb. Radio X, Russell Brand. That was the Foo Fighters with one of their records that I yes, I've just heard they worked very hard on that. So I hope you enjoyed it, Uh, Matt. Gorm, what are you saying about Ed Stafford? You're obsessed with him, aren't you? Well, no, I'm not obsessed with him. Sorry, I'm probably. I feel like this. I want to go and do stuff like that. And so when I watch mm. stuff like that, it's really freeing. All right, we'll go and do it. I, I want to. Like, there was another and, show called... Was, but you were going to make an observation about yes, like, no, well, seeing him at the precipice of What he does is, and I think it's useful for everyone, and it might be because of his military training or something, but he just never loses it and goes, oh, I can't cope, right? Mm. And so a lot of survival situations, you're walking... It's like really hard going. You've got no water and it f- seems hopeless. And it always sort of works itself out. Like you, the, the jungle will start to thin out or the desert will, you know, like obviously like some people who could be a brilliant survivalist will be in the wrong place at the wrong time and there just isn't any water for miles and the, the, the maths doesn't work and they die, right? Yeah. But he generally, like the thing you see is that what would break you really in those situations is to sit down and give up. Yeah, he said like, like he said that himself. Like that's what yeah. he was saying. Is it's like it's the mental environment that's the real challenge. That if you yeah. so, in a way, like I can see that that what would happen to me, I can see you would go through those phases, like the phases of grief. I know that there'd be a point where I'd resist it. I go, I don't want to do this. This happens to me basically every time I leave the bloody house. Anyway, yeah. without being confronted by environmental challenges, I'm like, I don't want to do this. Or what's the point? Da, 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 da. And then yeah. you sort of are stripped down. You start to realise that you're only bobbing about on the surface of who you are. And that's what I think a lot of mental illness is. Is people trying to reconcile their deeper understanding of who they are yeah. with the experience of life. Well, that book, Tribe, right, it says how in wars... I wish you'd read my book, Recovery, because you're so good at promo. <laughs> read I will. it. Oh, I will. I've right flicked through it. Read that. Recovery. Read available now. The back's not... That's What's going on joke. about your book? This is an important point. This is oh, an important point. Your book can't even stay on a desk. <laughs> that is because I'm not very good at throwing, because I've not had a chance to live in a jungle. Right, mental health and suicide, mm. pro- right. mental health problems and suicide go plummeting down in war. Even in the Blitz in London, right, suicide's nearly tailed off to nothing. Yeah. Because when people feel attacked, they come together, there's more of a sense of community, and your, mm. and your mm. daily like goals become simplified. 
Yes. Stay alive. Get down under the ground. Whatever it is, and then you don't because you're attached to something real. This is to do with spirit. This is to do with spirit because people always talk about in disaster situations, people come together to help one another. Like we don't like, and and in Marxist theory, the idea of alienation is the biggest one of the biggest problems that capitalism creates. It separates you away from society. Your job now is just to operate that thing over there. You're not a member of a community with a meaningful purpose in life. So when a disaster happens you're now like oh no that's all it doesn't matter what happens down the factory we've all got to survive yeah, yeah. and I think it's like spirit the word spirit like we're now connected we've got a common goal we are one like those things become literal instead of something you know deep down in your being but sort of ignore because it's not relevant yeah, to yeah. your tube journey or to your pornography it's, and there's a thing where loads of people after wars and stuff like that miss the war because they felt more connected so when they yeah. rescued these teenagers from Bosnia or wherever there was a war right they had all been so close and every night they'd all eat together and sleep together and not like that. And like... <laughs> and I didn't sexualise Ed Stafford. Exactly. Did so, a bit. Like, on our, I did a bit, yeah. But, like, but we, we, what we've got to do in our utopia is we'll live by those values. And I think then my particular proclivity towards egotism and uh, megalomaniacal thinking would be lessened because I'd feel connected. No, we're not doing this to try and fix your mind. <laughs> <laughs> live on an island so you can walk around pleased as punch. <laughs> Since we've been on our new kingdom, I've been pleased as punch. Thanks, you guys, for letting me be king of the uh, island for another week. My megalomania is getting better every day, guys. <laughs> now hurry up! <laughs> now, I told you I need a bamboo sun lounger. We record the coconuts. Come back, you jib jab! <laughs> right, we've got a lovely drawing here from Brian Adcock. He's drawn the three of us as caricatures. Me, you and G. He's touchingly drawn us all as basically the same colour. Me, I'm a spindly looking wretch, like a Lothario, a, a wretched, lascivious Lothario. G's got a notepad and trainers on. We'll put it up on the internet. Have a look at our Instagram we accounts. We love Brian Adcock. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. We love Adcock. Because I actually, I actually put my hands in my pockets exactly like that with my thumbs sticking out. Look, you've been studying this, G, like a right little narcissist. Like you haven't. I've had a little glance at it. I always think the cartoonists make me look... Like a right oily tick. <laughs> Very skilled, aren't they? <laughs> they really capture it somehow. <laughs> right, now remember, we're still doing even Lasagna's email because he, I think even Lasagna's Regen Village, or whatever it's called, yeah, Regen Village is going to help us. Now, what does he say? Look, I'm not affiliated with Regen Village. I only discovered their work online and find it really interesting. We should probably get someone from Regen Village on. If working with them directly is too complicated, you could also just copy their model. Even? What? Just copy their His model. Ever now. When do you, uh, can you not read names? I don't know. It's the best one I've come across so far. I'm obsessed with regenerative, self-contained community designs. You and me both, even. Lots of love to G, Matt, Russell, everyone behind the scenes at the podcast. P.S. What happened to G's theory about witches? I wanted to hear that. All right, let's listen to G's theory about witches. Now, we were talking about witches a little while ago because of that little boy that accused an entire community of being witches, said that he saw a ground turn into one out of one of Matt's books. Matt's going to be reviewing my book, Recovery, for next week's show. Very important thing that, that week. It's very dense. Like, it's just a lot of theories. Matt, I mean, G, what are you saying about witches, mate? Oh, no, it was, just, it was very simple. It was just, like, in my opinion, I think back in the day, we, we didn't have hospitals and we didn't have, like, you know, therapists. We, like, a lot of the things that we have in society now that they didn't have back in the day. So they would have, people would have just gone to medicine men and medicine women. I don't even like using the phrase witch, as, as it were. Mm. And so there would have been, I think, a natural reliance on 
people that were closer to a, a form of knowledge. Mm. But then when like the early church came in, they would have like absorbed all the, the men with the knowledge and they would have demonized the women that had the knowledge. Mm. And so any any knowledge that a woman has that isn't validated by a man is seen as being demonic, and that's it. I think he's right, and that's the roots of misogyny by he's G. He's saying that to get laid. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be so sepsis. Yeah. Now, here's Matt's, uh, like, G's new album. He's working with a group called Fold. We've got a lovely vinyl here, but we can put that up on our social media. Have a look at it. Fold, written in the sky. And it's got, actually got Mr. G on it rapping. With a bunch of, or doing these poems. Poetry. Have you got a, can you play vinyl? You can actually, can't yeah, you? Yeah, he's got become a, a vinyl player. addict. No. I've got that. I've got record vinyl player. Vinyl addict? I no. thought you could fix addiction. <laughs> profit. <laughs> wow. I've healed many people. The healings are coming. See you going through your mum's handbag to buy vinyl. <laughs> <laughs> thought yeah. you could handle it. Oh, it's out of control. It was bit. just seven inches at the beginning. Now, come on, guys. This is a this is a lovely email from someone. I don't know his name because he doesn't tell us it, but he's very good. Hello, Russ, Matt, and G. As philosophers of the world, I thought you may enjoy the most philosophical Google review ever. And remember, you lot, you're meant to be downloading our podcast and you're meant to be reviewing it with five stars. And the same goes for my book. Remember to review things with five stars. How many times have I told you to influence the algorithm? Um. Uh, anyway, he goes, me, myself and my pal Ross were driving through Sheffield a few weeks ago when we passed a couple of chip shops, one called the Admiral and the other one, the Admiral 2. As two grown men, we naturally wondered if the Admiral 2 was some sort of rebellious splinter takeaway, sticking up two fingers to the chip shop of its birth. We checked Google reviews to see which was the better of the pair. We came across the following review. Enjoy. Now, I like this because I do stuff like this with my wife. We sort of get into investigating things and trying to find out what's going on in society, you know, with chip shops and the like. We might yeah. just see an hairdresser and think, oh, how's that happened? Or... Mate, like my wife, for example, if she's at a hotel, like we was when we was in Los Angeles, say a person by the swimming pool annoys her, she'll go on Instagram and see who's doing Instagram posts at that hotel and find that person. Like, you know, oh. and like then go, oh, well, this is that person that's annoying me. She investigates things. She's always Very trying to solve by cases. quite a skill. It's quite good, actually. She claims she can solve a lot of cases. I've said, well, if you can, you want there's a few mysteries in British history I want to put you to work on. And she's so far not found any vital clues. But anyway, so I like what this guy's done. So this is a review from someone. Uh, Adam Thompson wrote the email to us, and this is the review that he's um, pointed out for a chip shop. Check this out. It's quite a funny review of a chip shop in Sheffield, Matt. I went to Admiral 2 in February to February 5th, 2016. Ridiculous gargantuan portions, abhorrent and scandalous when 50% of the world doesn't get enough to eat. Unnamed massive portion of fish, far too big to fit on plate. Shrouded in mountains of unnecessary batter. Ugh. Couldn't get through half of it and had to throw most away. A single portion of chips was enough to feed a family. More candidates for the rubbish bin. Shame on you, John Hodges. That's a really heavy review. That's powerful. He's really gone in hard and only given them one star, mostly because of their portion sizes. Basically, they gave him too much food. Yeah. That's, a, that's no means to give him one star. It's weird, isn't it? Because that's, in a way, a side note. You know, like, look, guys, control the portion. He doesn't mention quality except for the unnamed fish. Yeah. He's like, well, well, how do we know that John Hodges isn't some tiny waif of a man with a little paper cut for a mouth trying to eat a chip? <laughs> how do we know that he it's isn't huge. like a Swiftian character from another dimension, a tiny little Lilliputian? Yeah. This is bloody ridiculous. And look at the size of that post box. <laughs> 
And when I left, I could barely open the door. And a man trod on me. I fell in a crack in the pavement. It was like a ditch. A bloody great giant spider went by. Terrifying thing I, I wrote on I love back. people who write reviews like that. Because when I look on Amazon, like obviously... Hmm. I was going to say other things are available, but they're not. They're not monopolised. That's part of their skill. Well done, guys. My book's available on it. (laughs) (laughs) But um, the reviews, like some people, you just think, why have you... I've never left a review, and I buy stuff off there all the time. I've never reviewed it. So there's a a type of person who reviews. Loves a review. But some people are so bad at reviewing... They'll, they'll write a review that goes, um, it was a present and it was for my daughter, so I haven't actually used it, but it's, she seems very happy with it. And it's like, well, why did you bother to... Re-? Or sometimes they go, the postman was... The man who brought it was very nice. And you think... <laughs> you can't review no a relevant. postman. Yeah. He's a lovely fellow, complex man. <laughs> Yes. Far away look in his eyes. to use the toilet and he was fine. He left no mess. Uh, oh, all right, I'll buy that shoe. Here's then. a photograph of the toilet bowl after he left. <laughs> Shoes for sale, 10 quid. I mean, uh, what I think, Matt, is that we've just come across, geniuses that we are, a new item. Send us your funniest reviews. Oh, this must be an item in about 200 rounds. No way, I'm a pioneer. We'll do it better. We'll do it better. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. And also, how about a caption for this photograph? <laughs> what do you suppose this guy Boris Johnson saying <laughs> as he's riding his bicycle? At? Right. So, uh, yeah. So, send us your funny reviews, and don't do any rude ones of any of my don't products. Fake them. Five stars. Just find other people's ones, or fake your own. No. Why? No. Hang on. This is the item. Fakey, right? fakey. You don't want people to write comedic right. reviews to try and be funny. funny. What you want to do is find funny. Send us ones you've found that are written by people who are not. I love this. You know, oh yeah. Like John Hodges isn't writing that to be funny. No, John he's... Hodges is a tiny man from another dimension. He's fallen through a, a space <laughs> in the fabric of time. He's tiny little fellow, baffled, trapped in a coke can in the side of a curb. Well, he thinks yeah. that he's a C3PO and R. Although I had, I, that I, for the first time in ages, I had fish and chips. Right the other night, got chips. Portions yeah. are massive. They are massive. You're like the new John Hodges. I know, but they are. I fed two children and me. With one portion, I'd bought two portions. All right, Bob Cratchit. <laughs> well, why don't you go to a restaurant? <laughs> now, if you find the best reviews, you could be behind a glass panel. No, you can't <laughs> change the panel. rules for that glass panel thing. Well, no, yeah, the glass panel is sacrosanct. Some now, people have done what they're meant to do for the glass panel. Well, now where you is move it? the goalposts. All right, where are the people that have sent us reviews? Neil, don't tell me not one person has still sent us photographs. Why don't you listen to this radio show? Can you hear how hard Matthew? You and I are working. No, Gene's look, over there trying to come up with a bloody poem, and no one seems to want I've to go seen emails going, panel. I've done it. Here's the proof. Right. I've if you've them. done it, smash your way no, into the building the by force. Don't send proof. Send us well, proof. change it then. You they could be behind a glass no panel. No one's done that. Do the best funny review. Right. Best funny review. You could be behind a glass <laughs> panel. Can you imagine that? It's you, but you're behind a glass panel now. So that's something. All right. So remember these basic things. Buy recovery, review it. Come and see me, Hammersmith, 31st and 1st of November. 31st of October, 1st of November. But before, well, after those adverts that are just basically about me, a person who you've already listening to and you probably have had just about enough of, here is something else you might want in a little thing that won't be on the island called a book. This is Radio X. Russell Brand. That was Blur. Now... The making of that track really put the guys through it. So I hope you appreciated it. Graham Coxon, Alex and that. That is the when they were making that track, that's when Alex went, I'm just gonna do dairy farming now. This is really too much challenging. So uh here's a new item what I've got called Raising 
the cultural bar, where I raise the cultural bar sky high using culture and a bar that's already there. And I'm actually raising that now with culture. Now, earlier on in the show, I mentioned, didn't I, Richard the Second? Uh, and Shakespeare and that, because I'm doing some shows where I incorporate Shakespeare monologues into... But what I do, mate, is I use the works of Shakespeare to uh, illuminate and illustrate my own life. So I go, oh, this bit of Shakespeare... Right. It's basically, this is the concept. My Life by William Shakespeare. Russell Brand, though. Mm. See? What do you think of that? It's out of copyright, then. Very convenient, very convenient. We, we could make a mint out of this stuff. So, uh, anyway, remember, when we had that man just on the phone, Ed Stafford, our new pal, who we're thinking of going to the woods with, <clears throat> I've never seen someone in such a roundabout way ask another man on a camping holiday <laughs> as you, Matt Morgan, a, week, a campaign of weeks. You were like Serrano de Bergerac, seducing him, tagging him for weeks on end, till eventually getting him on the phone and going, oh, is there somewhere where a man could be alone on a campsite with another well, that's man? That's what I was asking, be alone, not alone with another man. All I need is just a couple of roses, a glass of dry white wine, and you, Ed. Oh, but we don't want you getting any micro-infections, so bring some sterilised water. Right, this is the thing. I want to do it on my own. I'm coming. Right, You so, should do it on your own. All right. I'll try and be on own. You can, like, document it on your phone or on the camera That or would help, because that would be like... Oh, you would... Actually, it would just be him talking constantly. Actually, you'd run out of batteries, and then you'd be terrified. <laughs> oh, no, the batteries This isn't gone. telly anymore. <laughs> this isn't telly. This is life. I like telly, and I don't like life. Now, what Ed Stafford said is the most terrifying environment on Earth is not the mountain range, not the deserts, and not the Arctic tundra, but the consciousness of a man. Because we are never truly alone, our world is occupied by thoughts. And you would say, oh, is that something that you came up with, Russell? And the answer would be, yes, of course. I'm one of our great contemporary philosophers. But there was this other guy that came from these islands some time ago who preemptively plagiarised me somehow and that guy was called old Bill Shakespeare aka the Bard in this scene King Richard the second one has uh, been banged up in Nick Bolingbroke's nicked his country that's our country England <clears throat> and he goes Richard the second while in isolation like you say I never could be Matthew yeah. he goes I have been studying how I may compare, and I'm raising the cultural bar here. This is me raising the cultural bar, because literally, you're listening to Radio X, and now, suddenly, you're listening to Shakespeare. Can, so, you, can you do it in some, with some gravitas in a sort of Shakespearean voice? Yeah, but I don't agree with that type of acting, do I? You've seen all my films. Have you? Majesty. <laughs> no, that's not right for this character. That's, that's, uh, that can only be used for very particular things to do with cross-sections. <laughs> uh, King Richard II, he's oh. in the nick. I have been studying how I may compare this prison where I live unto the world. So he's meaning like the prison of his own mind. Don't patronise us with footnotes. No footnotes? <laughs> oh, okay, no. you're going to have to analyse it yourself. kids, right? So what okay. you're saying is, now, it's a metaphor. I have been studying how I may compare this prison where I live unto the world. And for because the world is populous and here is not a creature but myself, I cannot do it. Yet I'll hammer it out. My brain I'll prove the female to my soul, my soul the father, and these two beget a generation of still-breeding thoughts. And these some thoughts people this little world in humours like the people of this world. For no thought is contented. The better sort, as thoughts of things divine, are, are intermixed with scruples and do set the word itself against the word. And thus, come little ones, and then again, it is as hard to come as for a camel to thread the postern of a small needle's eye. So we're saying there's contradictions, yeah? 
Thoughts tending to ambition, they do plot unlikely wonders. How these vain, weak nails may tear a passage through the flinty ribs of this hard world, my ragged prison walls, and for they cannot die in their own pride. Thoughts tending to content flatter themselves they are not the first of fortune's slaves, nor shall not be the last. Like silly beggars who sitting in the stocks refuge their shame, that many have and others must sit there. And in this thought they find a kind of ease, bearing their own misfortunes on the back of such has have before endured the like. Thus play I in one person many people and none contented. Sometimes am I king, then treasons make me wish myself a beggar, and so I am. Then crushing penury persuades me I was better when a king, then am I kinged again, and by and by think that I am unkinged by Bullingbrook, and straight am nothing. But whate'er I be, nor I nor any man that but man is, with nothing shall be pleased, till he be eased with being nothing. Not my word, Shakespeare, guys. The cultural bar is sky eye. So he's saying, comparing society to him alone in a cage, Yes, he becomes loads of different people and his mind is against him. It's beautiful. Beautiful stuff. And like how, yeah, that your thoughts are content... Like that there is a distinction between the self and the thoughts. And like I like that bit at the end when he sort of thinks about the journey of his own life, that he was king, then Bullingbrook took over and, be- and became king, stuck him in Nick. Mm. And like he sort of thinks, oh, you're probably better off with nothing anyway. But like the torture, the imprisonment of expectation, the torture of continual longing. So there you go, people listening to Radio X right now. You have just experienced a bit of Richard II, not even one of the main Shakespeare plays. We didn't do a bit of Hamlet, didn't do a bit of Romeo and Juliet. It's a great choice. Mm. Great choice, great choice. Well, mate, you're just tucking into a dinner. What are you having, mate? Well, I thought that speech was going to go on for ages. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty long. Here, this is from Lee H. He goes, hello, guys. I just wanted to inform Russell that if his DNA results said he had ancestry from Central America, that doesn't mean Native American, as Russell seemed to You've think. Done that. Yeah, no, but we never used the actual email. Oh, anyway, right. I know all about this. Central America is called Latin America and is comprised of the countries Belize, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, Nicaragua, and Panama. So while it may be correct to say you're related to Native people in America's a broad sense, blah, 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 blah. Uh, anyway, the point is this. Them countries aren't real anyway. No countries are real. We've got to break down these systems. Decentralised, decentralised. Glory, glory unto God. We got to get a island. Now, we've been wondering... You might be thinking, what is G made of? And you'll think, is he just made of rhymes, pure rhymes, words and cruel ambition that he pursues outside the (laughs) confines of this show where he sets himself up with Huey Lewis in the news to make a new album? Or is there something in G's DNA that's making him tick? We've got a DNA kit for G and we're going to study your stinking germs. (laughs) So uh, Neil's got it. So this time next week, we'll know exactly why you are the way you are. It won't be a week. It took ages for us. Did it? Yeah. Yours got swapped around. Four weeks. I don't think ours did get swapped around. You know me. I'm Azerbaijani Jew. I'm Central American, as you like. Ashkenazi. I'm Clever Clogs, as you know. All right, let's get our DNA done by a different company and see if it comes out the same. You what, mate? That's a gauntlet you've thrown down to me and my DNA, and we don't like gauntlets. Not in (laughs) my clan. Right, now listen, let's get this bloody island. This is from Remy. Re your utopia. You can find some land in Chile. 
and Argentina. I've been looking around Grasamala Mountains in Andalusia. You have sun, rain in winter for crops. We'll need to learn to store it for summer. Hmm, like that thing, the grasshopper and the ant. Yes, yes, the grasshopper and the ant. The sea is quite close and an hour half away. You can grow almost everything there. And for the non-vegan, hmm, you can let pigs eat the acorn and have the best ham in the world. Ooh, little truffly snuffle pigs. You're not eating a truffly snuffly acorn pig. What are you having now? This is a chicken salad. Oh, you delicious. Dirty, you dirty devil. I've seen land there, three acres for 50,000 euros. You might need more for your utopia, but since we're looking for a small group, three acres seem well enough. No way. No way. Oh, if this is going to be real, right? I know I've said that we should do it in a tropical place, but. Yeah. What do you no, want? this is never going to happen. It's complete. I'll tell you what, I'm going to play back this recording of this exact moment on our first glorious anniversary of the revolution. I'm going to say, and of course, there were some naysayers, <laughs> Matt Morgan <laughs> saying it never happened. And then, and then I'll press a button and this thing will rotate round and you'll be there in a glass cubicle, a bit like Han Solo when he's on that wall frozen in carbon. No, I wouldn't. We'd need you there. You'll be out digging in the meadows in your peasant costume. <laughs> costume? Oh, yeah, out. No, I think I think we should get somewhere in, in like, Where do you want to be? What about England? my children? They're in school. Oh, no, it's very difficult. But don't you want them to go to a different school where I'm in charge? No. <laughs> absolutely not. Come on, mate. I'll teach them everything I know. Exactly. And then the next day, Ed Sullivan can come in. No, not Ed Sullivan. Stafford. <laughs> hey, kids, we got a guy called Elvis Presley. Now, don't look below the waist because that guy's got a firework party going on in his pockets and it's going to drive your wives insane and do lally. So, yeah, listen, mate, look, we want children to be... I love the teachers of this world. Of course I love them. But I'm saying we need an entirely well, no, different take, education system. Yeah, but you could take some teachers who know what they're doing and then give them a new curriculum. Yeah, um, in it... It's a lot of... I mean, who's going to sit down and plan out the curriculum? Someone will do it, mate. Someone will be up That's for it. That's the sort of attitude that destroys communities. Someone will do it. <laughs> <laughs> ah, someone else will do that. Can't someone else do it? <laughs> this is a very good Simpsons episode based around that very idea. But what I said, no, look, everyone's got to know what their responsibilities are. And as has clearly been stated, I'm the imperial overlord. You're digging a ditch. And someone's no. going to do a curriculum. No, you do your one year silence. Oh, not the silence. In isolation. Oh, why are you putting me? The You're children using... will know you as the yuck man. <laughs> <laughs> Glimpsed on the edge of town, <laughs> eating a rabbit carcass, <laughs> running back into the woods. That will dissolve who you think you are right now. I'm not being the yuck man, chomping on a rabbit's ribs on the edge of the woods. I don't want to be the yuck man, Lord King Russell. Although when I look at Brian Adcock's drawing of me, I do look like the yuck man. No, I don't want to be the yuck man. Come you on, do. mate. You do. You have to be. We have to break you down to start you again. Come on, I'm breaking me down every week. Every week I break me down a bit more. Why would you want to break me down to the yuck man? I don't want to be the yuck man. Oh, the yuck man. <laughs> he sounds like a stinking, oily character. Have I got too much oil on my skin? I look a bit glinty. Look, we need some powder. We need some powder, otherwise I may become the yuck man on the edge of town. Although, unless the yuck man is a sort of a shaman figure. Ah, yes, the shamans. Now, as G was just describing how women were shamed and ostracised and their knowledge base destroyed by mm, imperialistic institutions. Similarly, the shaman, who used to be the intersection... We- call you the shame man 
No. You live in the woods. Young man. I'm not being in a woods. What I will be is very central to the community, but I'll be going on my vision quests. Because what happened was, is the shaman was undermined by the priest class and became clown. For a clown is an undermined shaman. But still, we have access to the ethereal realm. say all this stuff in a clearing in the woods. (laughs) (laughs) Churchill's half-smoked cigar sold in the USA for 12 grand. A cigar half-smoked by Winston Churchill was sold for 12 grand in an online auction. What? The wartime prime minister smoked the cigar at Paris's Le Bourget Airport in May 47 after being awarded France's highest military honour. So someone had the sense to pick up that and... Like, and now it's worth 12 grand. Hmm. He stubbed that his cigar in an ashtray when he came aboard. I took the remains into protective custody. You don't have protective custody. Who's this person? Corporal Turner. I've got... He can't have protective custody, can he? He's just using that phrase. Yeah, because protective custody, that sounds like it's been verified. That's for a child. He's nicked a cigar. (laughs) The cigar was bought by an unnamed collector in Palm Beach. He's not the first time on a church. I'd want a photo of him smoking it. He's got it. Corporal Turner wrote, a photograph I took from the doorway of York MW101 Le Bourget Airport, Paris, on the 11th of May, just before he flew back to Norfolk. He's surrounded by French ex-servicemen. What are they doing there? With whom he had been chatting. Chatting? He stubbed his cigar in an ashtray when he came aboard. I took it. I took the remains into protective custody, which I'd set up for such an occasion. Why would you want that? And if you made... It's probably all dried out, but wouldn't it be interesting to buy it and then smoke the rest of it? Yeah. Definitely. Like in Brewster's Millions. That's what I liked about Brewster's Millions, is he just like he got a penny black stamp, didn't he? And then just sent a letter with it. Yeah. Things like that. He was good, old Brewster. He knew what to do. He was a clever guy. He knew the score. Chocolate tea cake embarks on space mission. People want Sir David Attenborough on a new £20 note. Yoko Ono threatens legal action. You're a 12-year-old boy in a clearing in a forest shouting your prophecies at an indifferent starscape. Here come the adverbs. Most people don't like to listen to grumbling. But at Honda, we think if you listen closely, the grumbling can tell us things. Yep. Uh Uh-huh. Got it. People need a small car with big space. By making the boot wider without making the car wider, increasing the headroom in the back and adding seats that fold in endless combinations, we turned into Hmm. the new Hunter Jazz Hybrid and Crustar. We took the grumbles out so you can fit more in. Honda. The power of dreams. Radio X Russell Brand dun, 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 dun. That was the Killers with a record that they really put a lot they really put their back into that one Matt I could tell from the way they were playing it they really believed in it didn't they the lads <clears throat> Jacob Rees-Mogg is opposed to allowing abortions even the case of rape or incest he said abortion is morally indefensible life is sacrosanct begins at the point of conception Meanwhile, he has five million worth of shares in a firm which makes pills that are used for for abortions. Complex stuff there, Jacob. Complex stuff. No, he's never changed a nappy. Oh, come on, mate. Five kids or six kids or something. Yeah, can you have that many kids and not change a nappy? They must stink to heaven, mustn't they? Especially the adult (laughs) ones. Must be big, swollen, barrelly pants. No, no, no. I change my ones every so often. Yours or your baby's? Oh. It's out. <laughs> I'm not the yuck man. I'm not on the edge of town. I'm in the centre of the town. I'm in the centre of the town. I'm only saying you do a, a year as the yuck man. I'm not doing any time as the and yuck you're man. You're allowed back in. 
Look, you dare. If I get even one email addressed to the yuck man, I'm blaming (laughs) you for this. It would be your fault that you've caused me some distress. I'm a good man. I'm a good writer. You should have seen me at Cheltenham when I read out a bit of my book. I nearly made myself cry, let alone everyone else, reading out the glorious account of the birth of my daughter and some of my touching remarks about humankind can change itself. And it's this ability that I have to go between the profane and the profound and the ridiculous and the sublime, pathos, bathos, all of those words that make me some sort of a person. And that's exactly what's needed in these complex times, a person. So family life is complex, isn't it, Matthew? Like you've got to look after Mm. a dog, if you're me, a baby, if you're me. You've got a wife. You've got a wife. I keep doing the Keelroy speech rhythms. It's very challenging, isn't it, the old family life? Although I lost, uh, on the last show, I said it was a living hell, and I feel it was a bit of a disservice <laughs> to my family. <laughs> to apologise. Yeah, you best apologise to them, because remember, you've got to put up, like, they have to put up with you. And that's why I think for... Um, oh, God, yeah, that's the hardest bit. Because, like, my wife, for example, sent a picture of our baby on a swing. And, like, I saw that image and I thought, oh, wow, she's getting older. She's already on a swing. Time is passing. Time is passing. Tick, tock, tick, tock. And the f- message I sent back was something like, oh, no, we're all going to die. And my <laughs> wife was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you're, yeah, you're but too my intense. wife goes, oh, they're growing up. They're getting so big mm. in a sad way. Whereas I think, good. Good. They'll get out of the house Stronger, and get a job. Bigger. Biggest, harder, faster, longer. Mr. Matthew Morgan is my guest on the show. Why, Mr. Morgan, are you rejecting society and wanting to live in a wood in a t- t- tent that's suspended by three trees? Why don't you want to keep your feet well, on this the is ground? The, this is my challenge, right? Mm-hmm. On the same night, me and you will go into some woods mm-hmm. in different parts of the country. Different? I'm going to those Essex ones. I'll come. <laughs> right, Why can't can I come... be in those Essex ones? Because the whole thing is to be on our own. Oh, we'll so get imagine that, building your own fire, going to bed on your own, in your tent, hearing mm. weird noises, Spooky waking sounds. up in the morning and eating some food on your little fire that you've kept going overnight. I think you'll come out of it a changed man. Ah, majesty. If I hear that in the woods, <laughs> <laughs> I will hunt you down. Many were the long nights wherein a copse, perhaps startled by the footsteps of a deer, your late father and I would sprint, casting aside the flap door to the tent, crunching across twigs, our bare feet embedded in the soil, dirt beneath our toenails. When sighting in a clearing, a young hunting cur. We would scramble after it, dressing gowns wide open, then gripping the hindquarters of the whippet, flipping it on its belly like a suckling pig. Then your father, with a menacing glint in his eye, would produce from his back pocket an emery board, would file very aggressively at first, and then in a slow, melodic, almost oceanic tidal rhythm, file down a flat surface, revealing a cross-section, and within the cross-section you can see a network of honeycomb cells packed up against one another, within some cells a clear liquid, and in others pupae larvae, pollulating with life, a mathematical anomaly, drizzling clear fluid. I will move into your tent. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll be there in a clear... Look, look at the things we've got. We've got a great documentary Yeah, series. but we'll talk about work oh, for about Wim- four hours and then it'll be like middle of the night. It's cold and you're all achy. Don't you then we'll go to sleep, sleep then we'll wake up. I think... Well, let me do it on my own When once. was the last time you slept in your garden? 
Um, never. I slept in my garden quite recently. It's bloody cold out, and like you normally wake up at four a.m. and your iPlayer's not working anymore. So that kind of William documentary is finished, right, guys? And then it's bloody cold on your joints and everything. Where were you? Where, what were you on? Just a, like I was on the roof in Shoreditch when I used to live in Shoreditch. Oh, yeah. Remember when I used oh, to yeah. interview Ed Miliband and we were in an election? Well, I, like I'd unwind of an evening watching Kenneth Williams, who I've always adored, with his brilliant documentary where he talks about his experiences growing up in London and the characters that informed his various comedic voices. Well, I was watching that with my uh, the, she was girlfriend then, now wife. And uh, you fall asleep out there. You think, let's camp outside under the stars. But then you always wake up. So you kneel the producers nodding. You wake up at 4 a.m. and you're all crunched up with cold. Do you remember when I lived in Archway and I had my balcony? Yeah, because that's when you saw those UFOs and that's when you threw a yes. bag of poo out of a window in a bag. say that. Yeah, but you did do it. Yes, I did. Right. <clears throat> there was a receipt in it and you wondered about, worried about getting caught because of the receipt. <laughs> someone's going to be able to trace it back to all you. All right. Yeah, go on. Well, I did Arch try way. sleeping out there, but then I, I think I've told you this. I got so worried that I would sleepwalk over the edge of the balcony. It was about four stories up. It was about as high as your one in uh, Shoreditch. Yeah. That I tied my foot to the side of the balcony. You fool. You know, tethered yourself. Tethered myself. And mm. then you just wake up. And where you've turned in the night, my foot was purple nearly. Oh, purple foot. <laughs> purple foot. So well, I went back inside, but... Mm. I don't mind sleeping. See, I've got the kids have got a trampoline. I have often looked at them and thought, I could sleep on that trampoline. But mm. buy like a cold weather sleeping bag on a clear night, I could sleep out there. But the only thing that's put me off is that's what Frank Bruno did when he had a breakdown. It's exactly what he did. But probably prior to sleeping on the trampoline, he had moments very much like your one where he's thinking, I could get a cold weather sleeping bag and sleep out on the trampoline. Before we know it, insensitive front page headlines about Frank Bruno's. Fragile mental state. So I think don't sleep on that trampoline. Come sleep with me in a clearing in the woods. Come with the old yuck man. The yuck man will show you the secrets of the forests. Come down the yuck man's burrow. Do it. We do it properly. Don't we need like no phones, right? Although we got to film it. Yep. Of course we got to film it. Just tell people about it on the radio show. Yeah. Well, I say a series of documentaries where we go for Wim Hof and get plunged into the well, cold. What is going on with this? Because we go to Ed Stafford, we get plunged gold. off into the woods, we go somewhere else, and we get plunged into something else. The show is called simply Plunging <laughs> with Russ and Matt. We are plunged into no, I don't like that no, word. Hold on, <laughs> plunging with the yak no. man. <laughs> <laughs> be plunged into another direction with a yak man. Oh, my. Where am I then if you're the yak man? You're like the yak man's keeper. <laughs> you tether me like your own foot. We're tethered what, to each tethered other. tethered to each other in the woods so you yeah. can't escape. Yeah, or you Go can't to a escape. Hotel. You can't sneak you off. You would try and escape. You'd drag me across the forest floor. <laughs> you'd be asleep. You'd, you'd Chew wake, my leg off You'd like wake up in a Sheraton hotel suite <laughs> with me watching the adult channel crunching my way through some chocolate-covered almonds. We slept, oh, it was cold, Matthew. I couldn't bear it. When we slept on that barge, yeah. only one of us brought a sleeping bag, which was weirdly you. That's I don't right. know why I didn't bring one. I thought they'd provide bedding. Silly boy on the and, Norfolk uh, boards. Share it, would he? Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> one of us had a sleeping bag. One of us called cold. <laughs> I know. We were meant to get away from it. You unzipped it and used it as a blanket that over both of us. Wouldn't have worked. Within 24 hours, I was on an estate in Norwich trying to buy heroin. <laughs> was, oh, wasn't yeah, I? Yeah. Ridiculous, And really. we broke the boat. Broke the boat. <laughs> Silly times. But we've all grown up to be fine young soldiers with fine families. If you want to see old Russ at the Apollo, 31st of October, 1st of November, go to russellbrand.com, get tickets. If you want to buy recovery, you should get recovery. It's a great book. Even Ed Stafford is calling it 
the best book ever written by a person in history. I wonder if he's written a book. Of course he's not. And don't start off any ideas. We don't want another piranha in the tank. There's enough books out there already. No more <laughs> books. No more books. I've written the final book. The final prophecy has been delivered. Hold on a minute. That might be controversial territory. <laughs> uh, this, this is just one of many prophecies that's been written. So, uh, yeah. Buy him a book. I'm going to read... Well, I've read it. I've read, it it. read it properly. You only read the bits that you it. were in, and those are some of the worst bits by their very nature, because I've got you <laughs> in it sprawled across the pages, an inky little pollutant that you were. Now, if you want to hear this show summarised, you are going to now, but not in the form of a Shakespearean monologue by the yuck man on the edge of town, oh nosy posy. It's going to be by the poet laureate of this show, a man who, in spite of his various disloyalties with Huey Lewis and the news and various other shows and projects he's done, always cropping up in an old folks home or an orphanage somewhere we have stuck by and until we know what's in that DNA of Mr G's which we will know in a week's two we'll see if the disloyalty gene is looming large in there let's just listen to his poem and forgive him for he hath sinned it's Mr G everyone okay this poem is called The Pit and the Shovel a shovel can unearth our hidden treasures cover our secrets or mark our graves when the soil we stand on gets dishevelled shifting ground brings times of change Will our yuck man instincts let us live beyond the trampoline of the grid? Yet once we follow through on our basic needs, can we survive plunging in the pit? But what if the tools of the father fail to work for the mother? Unless our megalomania gives up its rule, our empathy may never recover. So if we go off to the woods today, the pit we dig may form our peaks, shrouded in mountains of unnecessary batter pouring out of your radio every week. Brilliant! He got so many unusual trampolines in there, plunging, yuck man, all in there. How does Mr. G do it? What goes on in the matrix of his mind? Brilliant stuff, G. Fantastic poem. They will be available on the island... Uh, carved onto a pillar by the old yuck man himself. Now, uh, Matt, I noticed during that poem you were drawing lipstick on Ed Stafford's no, photograph. <laughs> you, what were you doing to Ed Stafford's picture? I glanced over and you were drawing on his photo. Him, I drew some hair on him. You've drawn, you've drawn a tattoo of an anchor on his arm, and you've drawn. <laughs> you've turned take him a into take a, a photo. Take a take a photo. I was doing that without thinking. Take a photo. You've unconsciously turned him into a hunk. Uh, uh, <laughs> that is really funny that you've done that, Matt. All right, well, we love it, Stafford, and I think we will do other stuff with him, and I think the interview went well, didn't it? Yes, it did, actually. You did well in your you bit. You did well. Uh, watch yes. Ed's show, Left for Dead. Left for yeah, Dead, that's the one I've been watching. Watch it's it. Brilliant. We're that. Watch it. Actually, he probably came on for promo. Watch his show. Where None is it? None of us Discovery know how Channel. to survive anymore. We don't you know how to fix a button. You and me, baby, ain't nothing You can't fix a button. That. What? You could. can't fix a button or darn a sock or start oh, a fire, can you? I fix my button every night and I start a fire in my wife's <laughs> loins. Mm, the yuck man on the edge of town. The yuck man don't get down. You're the making yuck that man. stick that night. Yeah. The yuck man will stick. The yuck man has rare wisdom. Oh. I like the yuck man the now. Crow man from like the, yeah, the crow man. Yeah. Hello, Wurzel. Because yeah, the, yeah, the crow man was Wurzel's sort of god, was he? He was he his creator, him. but the crow man was more creepy than... Wurzel. Wurzel. But then Wurzel was anarchic. Yeah, Wurzel was a pain in the ass, wasn't he, Matt? So didn't like his... When he changed his head to that, like, clever one with a monocle, he was... Mm, he, I hated I watched one. loads of it. I think I've told you about it. There's a bit where they throw, Wurzel, you're going to have to go on the bonfire. <laughs> and there's a thing where, like, this... Because there's no guy. Yeah. So they need him to be a guy. No, no, no. He's been bad. Oh. And these bad scarecrows, they're like death scarecrows. They're like white. That made a weird. shudder go through me. They carry him towards a bonfire. Oh, Mr. Crowman. Mr. Crowman. Mr. Crowman. Don't burn me on fire. I promise I'll be no more trouble. 
Is it like yeah, that? Yeah, I want to watch it all again, actually. Let's watch it again, and let's incorporate it into our show, that we, our many projects. Okay, well, it's time now for an advert and for our show actually to end. You've put up with more than enough, and you've done very, very well. Uh, do listen to the podcast. Remember to five-star review all of our various products and if send Matt like stuff it, for free. If you like it, make people do things. No, do do it, whether you like it or not. Uh, next is actually <laughs> Ross from Friends is standing in for Gordon Smart. Whoa, Imagine whoa. that, Ross, but actually from Friends, Ross. So he's, David Schwimmer's immersed himself into his identity as Ross the character from the 90s sitcom Friends and he'll be standing in for Gordon Smarty Pants Smart. That's good, isn't it? Especially Thanks. Ross Kemp. Oh, if only it was Ross Kemp. He's another person that should be on our island. Still fighting him? I've not had a little brawl with Ross. <laughs> gotta get trained, gotta get ready and I... Oh, 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 the yuck man cometh. Okay, well, <laughs> thanks very much, ladies and gentlemen. That's a good title for the podcast. See you all soon. We love you more than stinking dirty life itself, do we? <clears throat> Goodbye. Uh, I love you. Why haven't you swallowed that spit? <clears throat> What's wrong with you? Bye-bye, Keep everyone. it. Weird boy. Russell Brand Radio. X. Well, what <clears> have back. you learned? <laughs> what have you learned from that? What have you learned from it? Man renames himself after favourite tea brand. Nathan PG Tips 31 <laughs> is now known as Nathan Yorkshire Tea Gardener. He's changed his name by Depole. It's always strange when people change their name by Depole. One of my shows the other day, someone had changed their name from, to something like Caroline Michael Jackson Hitch. Like, why do you want to change your name by Depole? Attention. It's attention seeking. You can do it. So So do do it. There was a a boxer, Marvin Hagler. He changed his name by Deedpol to Marvelous Marvin Hagler. So you've now got to say Marvelous. I mean, for a boxer, at least that's part of his, like, vibe. But he's not boxing anymore. Well, that's stupid. (laughs) It's a bit silly to force people to say Marvelous and then point to a Deedpol and go, like, oh, I've done that by Deedpol. Would you um, change your name at any point? To the Yuck Man. (laughs) (laughs) The yuck man's on the edge of town Matt Morgan sounds It works I've always liked it works Matt Morgan originally G you've changed your name Yeah you're Mr G Because your surname is I can't even say it And it's not that hard It's just lazy Anglophonic Semi-racism You can't say Evan As we've learned (laughs) What is it again? Sequiama Nice What's that African? Sequiama Sequiama son Sequiama son No I just say that as a joke Alright yeah, it's, it's just a few syllables. It's only the same number of syllables as McPherson. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take an R, please, Carol. My daughter said her name for the first time this week. Oh. I'll play it to you, actually. All right, here Works. is Matt Morgan's daughter, a winter, saying her name for the first time this week. We'll keep week. talking, fill a bit of time. Man, killer clown man. Oh, the whole story. Oh. Killer clown, sacked from circus for being too really? scary. There we go. Don't worry about that. I just made that up. It's not <laughs> happened. Go on. It has happened, but don't worry about it anyway. Did you hear it? No, no. rewind it. Go no, back to the beginning. Voice, talk to my children. Yeah, you said your own name. Wasn't loud enough. But do it at the front of the microphone. How long have you worked Put in it by media? The speaker bit. Come on, Matt. Oh, dear. Oh, God. Yeah, you said your own name for the first time ever. Oh, no. It makes me want to cry. Oh, dear. get it again. Oh, my poor heart. Oh dear, children. Rachel Mabel says Mabel. Oh, I can't take it. I can't take it. Sometimes things are so beautiful, I just want to go and live in a capsule. I know, I get overwhelmed. It's overwhelming the beauty of the world. You know, when I went to Legoland with Cohen, right? You were not overwhelmed by empathy in Legoland. No, I was. He was. Listen to this. We were getting some food, 
And he went, Daddy, look. And there was a baby's dummy on the floor. And he went, a baby's dropped that. And I said, that's all right, don't worry about it. It's like... Actually, looking back, I should have picked it up and given it to the person who worked in the restaurant. <laughs> but I just said, don't worry about that. It's all right. Baby, the mummy and daddy probably got other ones. He went, oh, but daddy, that's a baby's dummy. And then later on, we were on a ride. I went, you all right? And he went, I just feel sad about that baby's dummy. <laughs> right? And I thought, oh, God, he's got my brain. He's got your brain. He's building narratives and stories. Over-empathising, thinking about object. things afterwards that most people have just forgotten about. In a way, though, that's an imp- a very beautiful impulse. And as I sp- one of the things I think is we've lost the way of ritualising the stuff we actually feel. Like, you know, say you're moving out of a house that you've lived in for a long time. Like, you know, you're moving on. You should have some... You should find your own ritual or your own ceremony for it. Like, you should, like, burn something or go somewhere or sing a song or something. Or if he has an impulse of, like, that baby's lost it. You know, if he, even if it's just the, a relatively secular, innocuous and seemingly practical ritual of picking the bloody dummy up and giving it to the restaurant as you yourself said you've acted on the feeling you know you've acted yeah. different so I was, don't you know like you know sort of things can reach you from surprising places like say like what did i hear i heard the other day someone told me about like uh, a thing they'd heard about praying to be different right this guy goes like every time i think of like that i, I like uh, i want to watch porn or whatever i pray that i don't think and i thought all oh, right now i've heard that and i can do it some bit of information has reached my mind that other like it's in there now that yeah. concept that notion so perhaps anytime you feel that empathy it's something in your in your chemistry is telling you do something kind when i was in the right i got an uber to the station today and the bloke was like the, the, um, it was weird I got this text and it said your Uber driver he was on his way right and then I got another text saying your Uber driver is deaf and so your journey will be dictated to him by our system right so I was like oh that's interesting got in the car and spoke to him like he was deaf he didn't seem deaf at all because mm. so, it was hot today and I was like it's quite warm isn't it he was like <laughs> yes he was like normal bloke right mm. but then that the voice phone sound like it well he was foreign he was probably I don't know where he's, it might have been Turkish maybe. All right. But the phone kept ringing, like through the car sort of speaker system, mm, right? I don't like that. And it was going brrr, brrr, like that. And I was thinking, maybe oh, yeah. you can't hear it. Yeah. So I said, your phone's ringing. Yeah, I know. Like that. And then it kept happening. And he went, do you mind if I take this? So I took it, right? Took the call. And I was in, I did my window up because it was like the well, noise outside. Well, your phone was ringing through no, his system. No, his phone his was phone ringing. Yeah, this is all him. Mm. And then... It was, a, it was like a woman from the council because he was reporting the fact that he had black mould in his flat, right? And oh, so it's amazing. We were stuck in, but there was a very intimate conversation where she was like going through his worries and he goes, he was telling her his wife's not well and has got chest pains and she keeps coughing. And he wasn't like lying for like money. No. He no. was like, you know, my wife, she's now have chest pains like this. And he goes, and my baby girl, she's not well. She's off school because of it because he's got mould in his flat, right? And then when he got off the call, I was like, mate, you want to sort that out? Mould's really serious. That sounds really bad. He was like, the toilet doesn't work. The sink doesn't work. He told me he was paying 360 quid a week for this place. Jeez. And the landlord just won't sort anything out. And he goes, it's been five months. No toilet working. We have to put water in the toilet to flush it. And I was like, what? And so I was in, and then I was at the station. I had to get out of the car. And I was just like, I want to do something for him. I want to help him out or something. You just 
I didn't do anything. Well, how could you in that instance? But you've been granted... Given him five stars instead of one. <laughs> <laughs> you and your ongoing war against Uber drivers. She was just granted a little window into, yeah, into someone else's world. But, that is, but that's interesting, right? Because that actually plays into a much bigger narrative, doesn't it? Around, well, I thought it might. Around <laughs> landlords and like the you know, private la- and housing. Yeah, like private landlords well, aren't you, there's, held up to the same... Surely there's laws. Like if, he, if his wife goes to the doctor and she's got... And can prove that's from the... But the woman actually who was on the phone was from the council. She was coming around to look at it. So hopefully mm. she looked at it and went, no, you shouldn't be living here and mm. stepped in. So hopefully it was at that point. But I got off and it took me about an hour to stop having it all buzz around. And he was so nice about this it. lovely. These are interesting emblems wasn't angry. that you're finding. Like, you know, in the in this case of the dummy, it's like a literal symbol, a literal emblem of sort of loss and comfort being lost. And in the case of the Uber, it's a window into the sort of quiet, silent suffering of yeah. people that are like, in, doing difficult jobs. In a sort of sick society, empathy is more like a disability. So it's like, mm. if you're walking around going, oh, I'm worried about that thing, you're actually going against the stream of society. Yes, because we're told that thing, like that the free market is about deregulation and therefore things will just, you know, work themselves out. But actually, there's no such thing as deregulation because money is its own power system. So it continually plays into the hands of a certain group of people. Because I'm not saying that like the person that owns them flats is the worst type of capitalist or whatever, but certainly they're on the side of that divide where you know where there isn't regulation around like this is the minimum standard. Yeah. He lives this above is your the obligation. true era cafe, he said. Those guys are doing great work. Now, the true... I, I, I can help you here. Now, That's not black mould. That's uh, black magic. Uh, the yucca man spread that on the wall, and bloody Abdul is a layabout. He needs to get himself to work. One star. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're quite right. It's a, a complex world and a little bit more compact. I mean, this is one of the things that I continually talking about, talking about that, is that we don't allow for empathy and altruism to be... Uh, bought into our like our society. Our society yeah. built around the worst aspects of our nature, not the better side of our nature. Yep. Like so, all of us, are, like on an individual level, human beings err and make mistakes, but we're also beautiful. The problem is we have a culture that rewards the ugly side of nature and doesn't reward the sort of the empathy. The empathy, in the end, as you said, quite poetically, Matt, becomes a kind of disability, which is a rather lovely observation. Well, it's been a, an interesting <laughs> journey for all of us. But the boiled frog myth. But let me just wrap up one thing before we head off back to what we call our lives. If you throw a frog in a pot of boiling water, you will be sent to prison. <laughs> that is, that it says uh, it will be hurt badly before it manages to get out if it can. And if you put it in a pot of tepid water and then turn the heat, it will scramble out as soon as it gets uncomfortably warm. So that's so a myth. It's a myth. Complete myth. Yeah. I think, I think they way. try to put it like it, it's like kind of like a metaphor that you just accept things getting worse and worse. So that's yeah. why people use it. Yeah, but, you, it, but you'd but think that was rooted in something. Yeah. yeah, do a metaphor yeah. instead of bloody scientific experiments that aren't even true. Well, ladies and gentlemen, hope you've enjoyed that. Remember, you can see me at Hammond with Apollo 31st or the 1st of November and uh, get recovery on Amazon or get it wherever the hell you like and Matt Morgan be empathetic towards him we're reviewing it on the next show oh brilliant he's going to review it Matt's going to review it on the next show and uh, five star reviews only Matt as you know I'm very sensitive (laughs) every Uh, typo I found Oh, no, there's terrible errors. There's glaring errors in there. All right, then. Well, thanks, everyone. Oh, I'm actually peckish now. All right. Polo. I will have a polo. Polo's the member of the hole. Now, what's going on here? Nothing. Have you got a deal going with Roundtree? Oh, Bertie Bassett, he's at it again. See you later, guys. Russell Brand. Radio X.